This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everybody? Hope you had a great weekend. Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. I'm Andrew Patterson along with Michael Remus. Big show coming up today. We will recap the Winnipeg Jets draft with their director of amateur scouting, Mark Hillier. And look ahead to free agency and uh, more coming out of the weekend with Mike McIntyre of the Winnipeg Free Press. First things first, I want to thank all our sponsors, including a new sponsor. We'll tell you about them a little bit later on, but welcome aboard Paramount Services. Great to have you part of uh, the ride with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily along with our great family of sponsors, Royal Sports, the Nick and Nikki DQ Group, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Boston Pizza, Breezy Bend, Assiniboia Downs, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, and Cool Bet Canada. And how about that, Remus? Another milestone for us. It was a great week last week getting to 5,000 YouTube subs, and today we officially thank everyone for being along with us as we now are into show 100 100 in the books as of today my friend yeah very exciting uh feels like just yesterday we started this thing out and here we are 100 shows in. i'll just bring myself in hey everyone how's it going? there we go look he's here yeah 100 shows in so uh this has been really exciting and thank you everyone for uh coming along with the ride we had a uh big milestone last week 5,000 subs as you said and now here we are 100 shows in uh Great time here. Late, a lot of hockey news too. Uh, late in July, very nice. It's very nice. Well, I mean, listen, there was so much to uh, to talk about coming out of the weekend, and you know, we spent quite a bit of time looking ahead to the draft and speaking with uh, you know, uh, you know scouts, and of course, Scott Wheeler was great heading into the draft. And I mean, listen, Remo, I know most people, you know, you make your picks and you like your picks, uh, but once again, it seems like the Winnipeg Jets got some. Pretty darn good value uh, with their selections. And uh, in particular, this Chaz Lucius, I mean, one of the great names, I think we can safely say. I mean, whatever he turns into as a player, um, he has an elite name, that's for sure. But, man, when you think about what this young man was able to do coming back from injury, the incredible offensive talents that that, that he's shown. We'll talk about it with Mark Hillier a little bit later on. Um I don't know. It looks like uh, the Winnipeg Jets got another good one uh, at a spot that they you know, really didn't think a player would be available. Yeah, I totally agree. It kind of re- reminds me of uh, the Perfetti pick last year where he kind of just fell. A lot of people had him ranked higher. Um, Chaz Lucius, uh, I mean, an amazing name. Uh, <laughs> I mean, incredible. Uh, I keep thinking uh, Lucius Sweet from The Simpsons. I don't know what everyone... It reminds someone of something else. Other people had, had good ones. I forget, but... Um, by all accounts, the guy's got a great shot, knows for the net, knows how to score. So uh, I think the pick is exciting. A lot of people had him ranked, you know, much higher than 18th or, or 17th. So uh, it seems like a great pick. And the second pick is as well. Um, you know, and again, a player who a lot of people had ranked a lot higher than, what was it, 50th? So uh, pretty, you know, pretty exciting. I know the Jets, you know, didn't have a lot of picks, only four which if you were covering the draft, I guess was good because they were done in round five as opposed to the excruciating seven rounds that it took. But um, I think they, all the picks you know, have some upset. Interesting, they took you know, three Russians, um, which they don't normally do. But um, they well, Two with... Russians, one Belarusian. Sorry. Let's not forget. Yeah, no I, don't want to insult, I don't want to insult anyone here. You know, that's, absolute, that's absolutely right, Huss. So 
a bit of a different, you know, bit of a different year as we've talked about, but they took players that they could, uh, you know, they've seen. And we talked with Mark Hillary, he said they relied a lot on video. And so I think this is, you know, it's four intriguing players now in the Jets prospect pool. Yeah, so we did catch up with Mark Hillier a little bit before the program, so we'll have that for you in a few minutes, and uh, you know we'll get Mike McIntyre's reaction, as, well, not just to what happened with the Winnipeg Jets, but what happened with the entire National Hockey League, and you know, Areem, we'll get to some of the trades and and everything else coming out of the weekend because there was some very interesting moves, but I have to say, I don't know about you, but having spent the entire night watching the first round of the draft. You know, you get down to the final five or six picks and it's sort of like, okay, hurry up. Let's get this thing over with. Uh, But I don't think anyone could have imagined the way that this night was going to end for the league. And I would bet anything that the most angry person on the planet around 11 o'clock on Friday night was NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman. Because what we saw at the end of the first round was, um, was brutal for the league in so many ways. First of all, the Montreal Canadiens step up to the podium and Mark Bergevin announced that, announces that the Habs are taking Logan Mayu of the London Knights. He, of course, was the individual that was playing over in Sweden that was convicted of distributing a um, piece of a photo or video of a consensual act with a woman. Um, and this, and you know, he had said publicly that he should not be drafted last week. Now, maybe this is on the National Hockey League for not doing something to take him out of the player pool. But the fact that not only was he drafted, but the Canadians took him in the first round, I think shocked just about everybody watching it and certainly left a really bad taste in uh, most people's mouths, especially Habs fans. Uh, The reaction was almost overwhelmingly negative as to why they would do it. Um, and then that was followed up, Reem, with one of the more bizarre images you'll ever see. Chicago Blackhawks general manager Stan Bowman, with the pick that they had acquired from Columbus through the Seth Jones trade, steps up to the podium with everything hanging around the organization, is flanked by eight women, who um, uh, one of them then made the pick. I mean, this was... <sighs> Like, I don't know what's going on in that PR department over there in Chicago. I don't know who's calling the shots. But the 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 visual of Stan Bowman almost, I mean, to a lot of people, using these women as a shield, if you will, as to what's going on around them was, um, was just a bizarre, bizarre scene. And, you know, the first round ended, and we should be talking about Owen Power and all the great players that were drafted to their respective franchises. Nobody was talking about that after Friday night. It was all about picks 31 and 32 and um, just a a, a terrible way for that. The first night, a special night for so many people to end. And uh, listen, you could probably see the steam coming out of Gary Bettman's ears if you were anywhere within a few mile radius of the NHL commission. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely shocking. Um, Montreal making that pick, Logan Mayu. He had said he didn't want to get picked, and I agree with you. I mean, the NHL should should have done something to ensure that, okay, no one is going to pick this guy. The guy said he didn't want to get picked. I mean, was that just like a smoke screen? Like, can you not withdraw yourself from the draft? Um, so, I mean, then Montreal went and picked him, and, you know, Mark Bergeron said it was he was the best hockey player on the board, and I think that's been the problem with the hockey culture you know, it doesn't matter what kind of person you are. If you can, you know, put the puck in the back of the net and you can skate, 
um, there's a spot for you on the team, and I think they're trying to, you know, get a, get away from that. And uh, I mean, it was definitely a disappointing pick. I know a lot of Habs fans extremely um, disappointed. And then I agree with you. I the Blackhawks, you know, PR handling of you know the sexual assault <laughs> um, has been you know questionable. And I agree with you. It seemed like he was using you know the women up there as a shield to distract from, you know, the horrifying stories that keep coming out about this lawsuit. Uh, ben Pope reporting over the weekend. Um, just absolutely uh, disgusting what you, what you keep reading about about that. So, um, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what maybe I don't know what uh, Blackhawk strategy was there. Like, what was the meeting? What's when, been their strategy for the last 10 years? I mean, it yeah. just seems to be getting worse and worse. And listen, Stan's doing a lot right now to try to, you know, take the, um, you know, to have people maybe change what they're talking about. But that story's not going any anywhere anytime soon. And, man, if you saw some of the, the latest reporting, uh, Ben Pope from uh, from Chicago put it out. I mean, some of the details that are coming out about what happened to this player from Bradley Aldrich while he was on the Blackhawks, while they were in the playoffs going for the Stanley Cup is, I mean, it's disgusting and uh <laughs> As I said, we're this is this story is far, far from over. And um, you know, there's many people that, you know, and especially Stan Bowman, I think that'll probably be in the crosshairs as more uh, more of this comes through. Hey, shout out to everybody in chat. Great to see everyone in there. Oh, I see DQ Nick's here. And hey, hey, the little brown jug gang is here. I'm sure you all had a couple of those LBJs on the weekend. Certainly was a nice one. And I'll tell you a little later on about a, a special offer we've got for you from a uh, little brown jug. For episode 100 heading into the long weekend a little free delivery for you with a special code from winnipeg sports talk um so reem listen there's a lot of people that left friday night with a bad taste in their mouth um most fans though focusing in on their own team we will do that when it comes to winnipeg jet picks find out what the scouts were thinking why these players were picked by the winnipeg jets and what these young men will bring to the organization in a little bit but let's take a minute to go through some of the big, big moves in the National Hockey League. And just quickly today, uh, already a couple of uh, contracts signed. Alec Martinez, your guy, re-ups for three years in Vegas, I believe at around $5 million a year. And an interesting contract, Sam Bennett gets four years at 4.4 per for a total of 17.6 from the Florida Panthers. A couple interesting signings today. Yeah, the Alec Martinez one, um, I don't think I was too surprised by that one. I mean, they had traded for him a couple years ago, and he's played the last fit in real nicely with uh, Theodore, Petrangelo, Braden McNabb. So I think that's a really good fit there. And um, $5 million per, it's a nice, it's going to take him to uh, 37 years old. So maybe he'll be a bit older when that contract is done. But uh, Martinez, he's been a very solid defenseman throughout his career. The Sam Bennett one, I mean, people in Calgary, uh, I think, are kind of blown away how this has worked out. He was kind of miserable in, in Calgary as a, as a player. I mean, it really didn't work out. I mean, he bounced up and down the lineup. He was a former top pick. Uh, I think it was second, yeah, fourth, sorry, fourth overall in 2014. And I mean, he had struggled in and out of the lineup, up and down, and they traded him to Florida and he went off us 15 points in 10 games. Now, if he can, you know, keep up that pace, I think this looks like a nice deal, but if he was, you know, turns into the, you know, goes back to the guy he was in Calgary, uh, so where he struggled. I mean, he had 12 points in 38 games last year with, with Calgary. The year before, 12 points in 52 games. 
Um, so he had a really tough, maybe the change of scenery was what he needed in Florida is banking on that. And they're really, they're really going for it. Florida. I mean, they had a <laughs> successful year. They got matched up with uh, Tampa Bay in the first round and got bounced. But uh, I'm watching over them. They got kind of screwed by that Aaron Eckblad injury. That I don't want to say screwed, but that injury really hurt hurt them. And any team that loses their number one defense like that, uh, it's gonna it's really tough to recover. Well, and, and Florida, we'll get to some of these trades, but um, an interesting one. I've always sort of mixed up sometimes Sam Reinhart and Sam Bennett. Well, now mm-hmm. we'll mix them up even more because they're both playing on the same team. And Reinhart ended up going to the Panthers in a deal that was reported breaking on Friday night. We finally found out what the uh, terms were on Saturday. And it's interesting. It's a first-round pick next year for Buffalo. That's what Kevin Adams wanted, as well as a goaltending prospect. And with the Panthers having $10 million a year sunk into Bob, now Dreger leaving, but Spencer Knight, the uh, young prospect, the rookie, getting an opportunity going forward. Devin Levi, who is a seventh-rounder, uh, but had that incredible run last year with Canada, the world juniors um, is the guy going the other way. So they get a good goaltending prospect. They get a first round pick, but honestly, Reem, I was sort of surprised that the, the return for Sam Reinhardt going back to Buffalo, when you consider what Kevin Adams was able to get from Philly for Rasmus Ristolainen. Yeah. That haul for Rasmus Ristolainen yesterday, or sorry, like last show Friday, uh, we were blown away uh, from that, and I think he's done a good job at at acquiring assets. Um, and Sam, you know, Sam. It's funny you mentioned you messed up those guys. What uh, Sam Reinhardt was like the second overall pick in 2014, and Sam Bennett was the fourth overall. So they, they are on the same squad. Bennett will probably be on the uh, what second line, and um, I would think Reinhardt moves to the top line. However, they decide to shake it out. They did re-sign Anthony Duclair as well, who had a nice season with them. But I think Buffalo, I mean, maybe it was, I mean, I think he just set the bar so high with that Ristolainen trade. I mean, what is, if that's what Ristolainen gets, like, what do you get for Jack Eichel, even if they try to deal him? But I think Buffalo has done a nice job um, restocking the players here and uh, getting, you know, trading away Sam Reinhardt. Um, what was that Friday? There were so many trades us to, uh, to yeah, get the to. Reinhardt one, uh, Fridge broke it like late, late Friday night. And then even into Saturday, we knew that he was going there, but we didn't have, I don't know whether they hadn't completed the trade call or what, but um, they announced it in the afternoon that it was Devin Levi, the rights to Devin Levi, and a first-round pick in the 2022 draft. The other huge trade, Reem, and I mean, there was a bunch, but this Seth Jones deal, I mean, I mentioned Stan Bowman flanked uh, looking like the Godfather circa 90s WWE stepping to the podium to make the pick at 32. That pick was via the Columbus Blue Jackets as part of the trade. And this is how it worked out. Chicago got Seth Jones, the 32nd pick and a sixth rounder next year for Adam Bogfist, the first rounder this year a second rounder and a first rounder next year. Um, So some major draft capital going from Chicago to the Columbus Blue Jackets. But Seth Jones then cashes in big time ream nine and a half million dollars for an eight year extension, 76 million bucks. I believe making him the third highest paid defenseman in the league behind Eric Carlson and Drew Doughty. Uh, This Jones did not have a great season last year. I mean, the entire Columbus team was a bit of a train wreck, as we know. Very talented young player, you know, drafted fourth overall, traded for Ryan Johansson. 
now this presumably is his home going forward. Um, once again, another big swing by Stan Bowman, who has got a lot on his plate right now. Uh, and even the signing, the trade and the signing of Seth Jones, I don't think uh, took a lot of the attention on what re- people are really thinking, first and foremost, when they hear the Blackhawks right now. But uh, they got their guy. But holy smokes, that's a major, major financial commitment to the young defense. Yeah, big financial commitment and also big asset commitment. Uh, two first round picks, a second. And one of those seconds they did flip f- uh, for Jake Bean and trading away Adam Boakvist. Um, I'm not sure, Huss, this is a big gamble. I mean, he, Seth Jones, really strong two years ago. He had a down year, $9.5 million. That is a lot. Kale McCarr got $9 million. Now, McCarr was an RFA, so it was, you know, a bit, and Jones was about to hit UFA, so there is a bit of a difference there. But it, And he did reunite Jones with his brother, Seth Jones, with his brother Caleb Jones, and that was kind of the theme of the weekend, brothers locking up. Uh, they also drafted uh, Kirby Doc's brother. We mentioned Kale McCarr signing the deal Friday. Colorado drafted his brother. Um, you know, Chaz Lucius has a brother as well. You know, maybe he gets drafted uh, by the Jets next year. So we've seen a lot of... Bro- oh, yeah, and sorry, the other one was the Hughes uh, yeah. brothers. Uh, they took Luke Hughes, New How Jersey. excited was Jack Hughes when he when Luke got picked? I mean, yeah. he was he was vibrating. He was hugging him so much. He was like shaking him. It was uh, <laughs> it, it was it was a great moment. And it was pretty cool. And then, of course, Quinn got a nice blast at both of them and told them that the uh, the rink in New Jersey stinks. So that was sort of a that was a funny um, little family moment there with the Hughes brothers. But uh, yeah, Jack and Luke now playing with the New Jersey Devils. And, you know, you will just assume we'll start yep. the, the clock ticking on. Rumors of Quinn Hughes to Jersey as well and get the entire band together. I'll say this. If you're in a fantasy league looking for a sleeper, I think Jack Hughes, uh, I think he's ready to break out. He's real, looking real strong uh, with his underlying numbers um, at, uh, what, five on five. I think watch out for Jack Hughes in a, in a fantasy league. He's bulked, yeah. up, he's bulked up us from his rookie season. <laughs> um, how about Voracek for Atkinson on the weekend? That was yeah. another interesting trade. Just straight up, one for one. Um, you Cam Atkinson at 5.6. Voracek just three more years at $8.25 million. Uh, of course, Voracek played his first three years in the National Hockey League in Columbus, so definitely knows the organization, knows the city. Uh, it did seem like Philly was really making a concerted effort to sort of move on from that established leadership group they'd had in, you know, for the past few years. Sounds like Claude Giroux will still main, re- remain there. He'll still be the captain. Uh, but Voracek was a huge part of that fire uh, attack for the last few years. And, you know, many would say maybe overpaid right now at $8.25 million. Uh, but he'll come in and, you know, presumably try and get something going with Patrick Line, who, of course, was qualified today at $7.5 million, as everyone expected. Yeah, I'm, we're kind of waiting to see how that one um, works out. As for Philly, I'm not sure like what they're doing. I mean, Ryan Ellis was a good pickup, but I mean, trading away like four different what draft picks plus Gossespierre plus Hag just to upgrade to Rissalainen. And if you think that's an upgrade, who has got one year left? I think that's a big L move. I think that's a lot of a lot to get a player who's basically a, a rental, unless you know they resign him. And Rissalainen is only 26, but again, that's way way too many. Uh, picks to give up they did you know lose some or gain some salary uh in reducing Voracek to Cam Atkinson um I'm not really sure what what Philly's trying to do I mean they had a miserable season last year maybe Carter Hart um can play the level that you think 
that he's capable of. But that's what they need. Yeah. I mean, th- you want to look at Philly's disastrous season, start in net and then move out. I mean, I think everyone had a piece of it, but when the goaltending collapses the way that it did, um, you're not going to win very many hockey games. And I mean, that was a huge story. It's hard not to talk about the Flyers and the season and the moves they're making this year without mentioning just how big of a drop-off uh, Carter Hart had last season. But certainly, that organization expects him to bounce back next year. And presumably, you know, with Ellis and Ristolainen on the blue line, Chuck Fletcher at least is hoping that he's given his team a better opportunity of helping their goaltenders out in front of him. Whether that's the case, we won't find out until October. Yeah, Chuck Fletcher seems like a guy He's like, ah, screw it, I'm just going to trade all these draft picks. we got to win right now, and I don't care what happens in the future because... Uh, I may not be here when those draft picks come to fruition. And that might be a theme that uh, happened with Jim Benning in Vancouver. (laughs) Absolutely. For for their big trade, which I'm still torn as to um, the winner of that trade. So they traded, I have it up here. It was, uh, yeah, they got, Vancouver got Ekman Ekman Larson, who's got a long contract at high, what, 7 million cap it, and Connor Garland for Antoine Roussel, Jay Beagle, Louis Erickson. So basically three Bad expiring contracts that are twelve million for a first this year, second next year, and a seventh in twenty three. I mean, they. I know th- those contracts were not great, but they were expiring, and now you just took on Ekman Larson, who's got a pretty high contract. But a uh, Connor Garland could be the one, you know, for a first round pick. I think that one could be the the guy that surprises you in that deal. You know, we don't know a lot about him because he's buried in Arizona by all accounts at at a great season. So you're basically getting him for a first. And then swapping bad contracts. So I don't know, maybe it could work out for Vancouver. But again, Jim Benning is a guy, has, he's doing all these quick fixes. It worked for one year, the JT Miller trade, but it keeps dealing first round picks. I think, it, I don't really think it makes them that great of a team, but well, they are in this that year terrible it division. It, yeah. it makes them way better this year. I don't yeah. think there's any doubt. I mean, Louis Erickson stinks. He can't even really crack the lineup on a normal basis. And, I mean, honestly, Erickson, Beagle, and Roussel are three of the worst UFA deals we've seen signed in the league in a long time, and that says something. I mean, the Louis Erickson trade has been an absolute albatross there. And then, I mean, to sign two fourth liners to $3 million deals, um, you know, that that's killed them too, and they just haven't got a lot from those guys. So, to be able to rid all of those contracts off the books this year and bring in Ekman Larson and Connor Garland, I don't think there's any doubt the Vancouver Canucks are a better team next season. And to be honest, that's what Jim Benning's looking at, Reem, because this is an all-in move. I mean, if they aren't significantly better next year, the rest of the stuff doesn't matter because Jim Benning is going to be packing. I mean, he'll get a pink slip. He won't be around. So... I mean, I get the aggressive nature of this. And listen, they still think that OEL has a lot to a lot to give. Now, I mean, I didn't watch a lot of Arizona last year, but I do remember him being one of the top defensemen in the league. Certainly wasn't that last year. And it seemed like there was a bit of a falling out with the Coyotes. That was a miserable situation to be around. And, you know, for a guy that's been there a long time, the change of scenery might do wonders for Ekman Larson. And, of course, he does make 8.25 a year. The Coyotes are handling 12% to that, so it'll be about a $7 million cap hit. Um, but yeah, I mean, with six years on it there, you know, you the, the Vancouver hopes that they get the player that, that the Coyotes thought they were signing when they gave him that eight-year extension. And if that's the case, Garland is certainly a player. I mean, he will make the Canucks better in the, in the short term. And 
As we mentioned, if they're not better in the short term and they're not better this year, they're going to probably blow it up again and there'll be a new GM to come in and deal with the fact that, uh, well, they've already had a bunch of picks traded away. They don't have a first rounder this year. But to have Connor Garland come in as that pick, um, I don't think there's any doubt. That's um, that that's a win. The, Garner, the Garland part of the deal is certainly a win. Everything else has more to do with the cap, um, getting money off the cap, and uh, a pretty significant commitment to a defenseman that may or may not be playing at a top level as the contract continues. Yeah, I, I understand they need to free up some salary this year. They got to sign uh, Quinn Hughes. They have to sign uh, Elias Pettersson. And there's also a lot of rumors about uh, Nate Schmidt. Could he be on the move? Braden Holtby. Um, he's got an expiring, you know, he's got one year left too. So we'll see what happens with Vancouver. They're an interesting team that I've said, I said a couple of years ago that they really don't know what direction uh, they're going in. They're a team that's like barely a playoff team. You know, making all these moves that teams that are trying to win now make. And it, again, it worked for them two years ago where they had uh, the bubble playoff run, but last year uh, they fell on their face. I know they had the COVID issue at the end of the season, but even before that, they're they're going nowhere. Yeah, Mitch uh, popped in. Hey, you know, I'm an AZ guy and I loved OEL, but that contract will kill them. OEL is not good anymore. Last couple of years. Will he rebound? I'm not sure. Um, certainly from a Canuck standpoint, they expect that he will. They're counting on him doing that. And certainly Garland, uh, you know, adding quite a bit and, you know, getting those slugs off the team and at least being able to move forward. I mean, essentially they've taken three problems, putting it into one deal, added a strong player and, you know, and it's up to them to win, to make the playoffs, to do something this year. Or as we mentioned, Jim Benning's probably not around anytime soon. Another interesting trade ream on the weekend that maybe didn't get the, uh, the ink that some of the others was between the New York Rangers and the Blues and Pavel Buchnevich heading to the Central Division. He'll be playing for St. Louis after they traded a second rounder next year. And Sammy Blay, who was such a big part of that cup-winning team, I remember Blay when the first round started against Winnipeg, wasn't even in the lineup, popped in later on in the series, was really good, and that was an impact player. Um, but this trade, as far as Buchnevich goes, um, has a lot to do with cap. It seems like the Rangers are in on everybody trying to make things happen. And obviously you have to have cap room for all those things. So which Nevich moves on, they get a cheaper, younger player in Blay and a second round pick. And St. Louis gets, uh, you know, a, a nice boost to their offensive attack with uh, Butch Nevich coming in from, uh, from Manhattan. I really like this trade for St. Louis. Um, Bucinevich, I mean, he had a great season last year. 48 points in 54 games. He was one of the uh, top scorers. And if they lose trade Tarasenko, I mean, he's the guy who can step in. Sammy Blay's a third-line player. I mean, he's making cheaper salary. I think for the Rangers, this is a big salary, uh, more like a salary dump. I know they signed Barclay Goodrow to that long deal. They're, they think, the Rangers think, you know what, we need. they saw Tom Wilson, like, smash their heads in. And they need to get all these like grinder type players and none of these uh, scorers. So I'm not sure how it's going to work for them. We'll see if they can, you know, there's so many rumors about the Rangers. They're like rumored to be on every player and most notably Jack Eichel. So let's wait and see what happens with them. But I think this is a big win for St. Louis, especially if St. Louis trades uh, Tarasenko here in the upcoming days. Yeah. Okay. So listen, we'll talk more about all these moves on the weekend and the Winnipeg Jets with Mike McIntyre coming up in a few minutes. Coming up right now, though, uh, we did speak with Mark Hillier, the uh, Jets director of amateur scouting. We'll get to that in just a minute. But as I mentioned right off the top of the show, we have a new sponsor to welcome 
to the Winnipeg Sports Talk family. And uh, big thanks to Evan and Carrie at Paramount Services Limited for coming on board with us. It's great to have you guys part of the Winnipeg Sports Talk team. If you're wondering about Paramount Services, Paramount Services Limited is a full facility maintenance company serving commercial, HVAC, plumbing, electrical, and handyman services to all of your favorite convenience stores and restaurants in Western Canada, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, for the past 28 years. If you were looking for a one-stop shop for kitchen or cooler surprise for your business or property in Western Canada, give them a call and ask for Carrie O'Brien, or you can visit their website at paramountservicesltd.com for more information. Uh, if you're listening on the podcast, I've got the website up right here. Um, number is 204-789-9099. And uh, you can also go to winnipegsportstalk.com. If you click on the sponsor tag, uh, you'll have a link there. And the other thing that Paramount Service is looking for right now is people. They're always looking for qualified techs who specialize in HVAC, plumbing, electrical, and handiwork. You can go to the website and submit your resume today. Or as I mentioned, you can give Carrie a call at 204-789-9099. We'll throw in the, uh, the link for the careers bit into the chat as well as you can hit it up on the website right now. So uh, great to have Paramount Services aboard. Carrie Evan, thank you so much. Great to have you on board. And folks, if uh, you or someone you know has some experience in looking for a great new job, paid well, benefits, all that stuff, click on the career section at Paramount Services and, uh, and get on board. And it's not just in Winnipeg, by the way. They are big throughout Western Canada. So if you happen to be listening in Saskatchewan, for instance, or even in Alberta, Click on it, see whether there might be a great spot for you to move forward in a career with Paramount Services. Again, the website, ParamountServicesLTD.com, and the number is 204-789-9099. Big shout out to our friends at Royal Sports. The countdown is on to Blue Bomber kickoff. Popped in on the weekend, some great Blue Bomber merchandise and I'll be honest, I saw those Jets jerseys as well and wondering, hmm, which of the Jet draft picks will be the first one to get on a jersey out at Royal Sports? Pop down and see. And when it comes to licensed merchandise, they are the all-time greatest store, NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball, CFL, NFL. They've got it all. And while you're there, check out the expanded camping section. You can get that Jets Yeti mug you've been thinking about getting. Uh, an expanded fitness section. Uh, bikes coming in weekly despite the worldwide bicycle shortage. Uh, it really is a one-stop shop for all things. And, of course, hockey season coming up. They are the hockey superstore as well. Royal Sports, 650 Rally EK, and 750 Pamina Highway. And we saw our pal Nick here from the Nick and Nicky DQ group, you know, at DQ Neverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. Uh, Nick made a little drop-off to me earlier. I had one of those, uh, the uh, the fudge bars. Had not tried those yet. Had it on the weekend. Was amazing. I still am partial to the Buster Bar. I think it's the best novelty. But when you're popping in, you know, you probably want a Blizzard. The Kit Kat Blizzard is back. I'm personal to the drumstick. And uh, I will maintain, I had the Ultimate Grill Burger on the weekend. Just an absolutely incredible sandwich. So there you go. Pop by any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. And if you're having an event, maybe August long weekend party or getting people together, hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. You can order your cake in advance. 
and then simply pick it up at one of the four Nick and Nicky DQ locations. Great to have uh, Nick and Nicky on board, Royal Sports. And, of course, big thanks to our newest sponsor, Paramount Services LTD. All right, coming out of draft weekend, we always like to catch up with Jets Director of Amateur Scouting, Mark Hillier, on the players that were picked by the Winnipeg Jets. And uh, we started off the conversation just asking Mark how he thought the weekend went. Well, we think it went good. As you talk to all the, uh, you know, head scouts uh, uh, right after the draft, they'll all think they did the, uh, they had the best haul or whatever. But, uh, you know, we think we're from, uh, you know, we only had four picks, but uh, we, we got some good value picks there. So we're happy about it. Let me ask you this. I mean, we've done this for a number of years, kind of, you know, getting together after the draft to talk about the players and the process. Um, from your perspective, being the director of amateur scouting, just what a crazy year this was and how difficult it was to prepare. I mean, how can you compare what you guys went through this season to previous drafts? Yeah, it was different for sure. I hope we don't have to go through it again. Um, you know, I think we were fortunate to be working through the pandemic. First of all, the, the organization treated us well. Um, uh, you know, we know others weren't so fortunate through this uh, past year, but uh, we made a commitment early on to go at the video hard Um you know, where borders uh, were closed, uh, you know, lots of restrictions. We couldn't get to Europe, but the leagues hadn't uh, started in North America yet. So we really went out the European video hard in the first half of the year. We kept at it all year long um, and then got to as many live views uh, as we could where, where the restrictions, uh, you know, uh, let us do that. Uh, and, uh, you know, we had a good mix at the end of the year with live views and video and, uh, you know, just everybody pitching in. So we put a good list together, and I thought we we added four good players here. You know, it's the second year of virtual drafts, but again, you know, it was a very different year because of how many players weren't playing. Actual draft day, how similar was draft day to a normal draft year? I mean, you're together, just not at the table on the draft floor. Was there some other challenges or, or, or differences uh, maybe in 2021? Right. So, I mean, the draft day was the same experience as it was a year ago with the virtual draft. Like you said, uh, the unfortunate part about it is, um, you know, for scouts, it's the biggest day of the year. Um, you know, they don't get a lot of recognition during the season and that's their day to shine. So to speak, uh, you can't, uh, you know, you can't res- uh, replace the atmosphere of the draft floor in a regular year. Um, you know, the excitement, the anxiousness, the uh, the pressure that the draft floor brings. It's really a, a unique, uh, you know, electric atmosphere. Um, and, you know, with the border restrictions, again, we couldn't bring everybody still into Winnipeg uh, for the draft. So, you know, I was the one there uh, representing the staff. But, uh, you know, we try to keep in close touch and, you uh, uh, talking on the zooms and all that uh, right through the draft as much as we could, but it's still not the same for, for the scouting staff for sure. Mark um, last year, it seemed like the Jets had some good fortune when Cole Perfetti sort of fell into their laps at number 10. And we know what an exciting and a great year he had for such a young player. Uh, was it sort of similar this year when you had Lucius on your uh, Chaz Lucius on your list and kind of seeing what happened in the picks before you guys were on the clock? Yeah, we thought, well, first of all, with Perfetti, we, we really did think he fell into our lap there. We, we we went through so many different scenarios of the top 10 in that list. And, you know, you're always doing extra work leading up to the pick. 
and and he wasn't a guy we did a lot of extra work on because we just didn't think he was going to fall there. Um, you know, Luchas had the injury and only played, uh, I believe it was 12 or 13 games this season. So we thought there was a chance he could be there. We thought it was an outside chance, but we still we still thought there was a chance and we were hoping that, uh, you know, he might slide to our pick. Well, tell us about Chaz. I mean, what sort of players come to the Jets organization uh, and what does he bring to the organization that excited you guys to call his name? Well, obviously, he's a special offensive player. Um, you know, he plays center ice. Uh, he uh, right shot, uh, great release and scoring touch. Um, you know, he he thinks the game extremely well, uh, processes the offensive game really, really quickly. Um, he, he's, a, you know, he's an explosive goal scorer and make plays. And, uh, you know, we think he needs to get bigger and stronger, fill out his six-foot-one uh, frame. Um you know, we think the skating and quickness uh, will all come as, as he gets uh, stronger and grows into his body and going to a good program in uh, Minnesota for, uh, uh, you know, for at least a couple of years, I would think. And, uh, and, and in a couple of years, I would think we're going to have a pretty special player here. What, uh, what were the interviews like with him? Uh, they were good. He, he's a, he's a good, uh, respectful kid. What we found, uh, that I guess I didn't know before he's, he's kind of, uh, I don't know if it's the right term, but sort of like a hockey nerd, like a Mark Shifley type of thing that he lives, uh, you know, breathes, sleeps hockey. It's all about getting better and, and working every day in different avenues to get better. He mentioned Mark Shifley is a, a guy he really looks up to. And, uh, you know, there's obviously some similarities, uh, in their game. Um, but he just, came across as a as a really driven kid a kid that uh you know j- just looking at all those different things to get better each and every day i gotta give him credit i mean you want to get picked by the winnipeg jets mention that your idols mark shifley's probably a good place to start and certainly right. a great player to uh, to emulate yourself afterwards um second round went over to to russia and it, it was interesting a couple russian players selected and you know i guess burden in the past, and Pavel Kraskovsky, I think, was the only Russian skater that the team had picked before. Um, tell us about uh, Nikita Chibrikov and uh, why he uh, was a good fit for you guys in the in the two hole. Yeah, well, again, we think it was good value there. Um, you know, when you're when you're leading up and uh, or leading up to the draft, you're having your meetings, you know, pretty much every day, and um, you know, it, it drives me crazy than the last week, just going through all the different scenarios and what could be available in each different round. And, uh, and, you know, going through my double and triple checks on everything, didn't think he would be there in the first round. He, he, or in the second round, he was just outside our range of the first round pick. Um, so we went through all those different scenarios of the type of player that would be available in the second round to us. And he wasn't really in those, conversations um but after the first day when we get back to the war room there and and they're discussing all the different scenarios we had to talk about him because he's an ex-player on our list that hasn't been taken uh and we you know we didn't think he'd get to the second pick there's still 17 more selections to be made uh but just went through all the questions with all the scouts like why why shouldn't we take this guy why hasn't he been picked um and, you know, just despite the passport or where he's from or any 
any issues with that. Like he was just too good of a player to pass up. And, and we think, you know, he's got two years left on his contract there to develop in a good spot. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll get him over in two years and uh, he'll be ready to go. What sort of player is he? I mean, what, what would he project, uh, you know, if, if things go well? I mean, when you look at him, what sort of um, an NHL player could he be? Well, he's a real smart, crafty player offensively. Um, you know, he, he gets in the offensive zone. He, he, he's got really good vision and instincts. Um, sees the ice extremely well. Good combination of uh, playmaker and scoring ability. Um, sometimes he's one of those guys that uh, you don't notice as much, but at the end of the game, he's always got two or three points. Like he finds a way to produce offense and uh, and, and create offense. Uh, real slippery in the offensive zone. You know, he's a quick darter in and out of holes. Um, just a just a really high IQ offensive player. Third pick was Dmitry Kuzmin, a Belarusian defenseman in the third round. Uh, what can you tell us about uh, about Kuzmin? He's an interesting player. Like uh, we didn't know much about this guy uh, leading up to the under eighteen tournament in in Texas at the end of the year. Um, but, uh, Belarus ended up having three pretty good players on their team there. Uh, so they were a team we, we watched quite a bit when we got there, he jumped out at us right in the first game. I think the first game he might've scored the lacrosse, uh, type goal. So, you know, it, it was something to talk about there for sure. Um, but he, he's just a, he's a dynamic player, smart. Um, I think I said uh, before, He's a five foot ten defenseman, but when you watch him, you don't see a small player. You just see a good player. Um, he, he's very intelligent. He skates well. He moves the puck. He creates offense. He runs the power play, and and he's really got good character and intangibles in that as well. So you know, we know it's always a a challenge for a smaller defenseman to play. The game's changing, but you still have to be a pretty special player. But we think, uh, you know, he has the ingredients to be that type of player. And, uh, you know, he's coming over to the OHL to uh, develop for the next couple of years. So um, hopefully we've got a good uh, a good one there. Uh, Mark, one final pick was um, Dmitry Ruszewski, another Russian. Uh, tell us about your fifth rounder. Yeah, again, he was, uh, he was a guy that uh, I think is a real intriguing pick. Uh, we, we noticed him, uh, well, we know a year ago he scored 44 goals in the uh, top junior league in Russia, uh, the MHL, which is, which is a really good league. It's comparable to CHL leagues. Um, he, he, he's really smart offensively. Obviously he, he's uh, he has really good hands, a good shot. He plays in good direct lines. Um, we think, uh, you know, he's a late bloomer physically. He's come a long way in the last uh, year with uh, strength, power, um, getting stronger, uh, skating has come along with that where I think he's a good skater now. Um, and this past season, he played a combination of, uh, KHL games, VHL, which is the pro league, uh, between, uh, below the KHL and some junior games as well. And, uh, we did a lot of work on him. Um, uh, we, we just think he's a real good value pick. He has a lot of offensive upside. Um, he has one year left on his contract there. So, we're hoping, uh, you know, at, at the end of that, we'll we'll get him over to develop uh, with the moose and and then see where it can go. 
What, I have to ask you, Mark, and again, this might be a difficult question for you to answer because I'm not sure how things work when you're deciding on whether to, you know, trade a pick or trade down. But, you know, you see what Carolina was doing where it's, I mean, we were joking. I think they had like half the picks in the last three rounds of the draft. Um, was there lots of talk about maybe getting more picks? Um, and then when it comes to your selection with the players and the value that are on the board, he uh, kind of made, hey, we got to make this pick. Let's not worry about getting any more. This is the guy we want. Right. I, I mean, I think analytically, uh, the analytics crowd will tell you that more picks, you know, you have a chance to be more successful, obviously. Um, it's not always my my feeling. Like, I think if you have a chance, say, to get an A player is better than two B players. Um, but leading up to every pick, we look at every different scenario. You know, when we're 10 picks away from our pick, we we say can can we move or can we move up can we move back should we pick and we're doing that continuously uh throughout the draft so we look at that at every pick we did look at it a little more with the last pick because we thought Rashevsky might be hidden a little bit and higher on our radar maybe than most so we thought if we can grab an extra pick and still take Rashevsky you know that would be a, a a good thing for us, but the, there wasn't a trade out there at that point. So uh, you know we just thought we need to we we need to take the player there and uh, still think that you know it's a good pick. All right, we're in Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Mark Hillier, the Winnipeg Jets Director of Amateur Scouting. So yesterday's a travel day. You're back on the rock. What is the week after the draft like for you? And uh, you're right back at it in a week for what the Ivan Holinka. Right. I mean, we, we've got scouts all working this week already and working last week at tournaments. Uh, you know, there's the under 18 and under 20 starts this week in Calgary. Uh, so we've got guys there. There's the under 20 in uh, Plymouth, Michigan with Finland and Sweden and uh, USA. So we, we have people there. Um, you know, Lucius is playing there. Our kid Torgerson is playing there too, which is uh it, um, you know, I'm really anxious to see how he plays there. He's a kid that hasn't played in probably 16 months. Um, I think it was the day after we drafted him, he just, uh, sustained a knee injury. Um, and, and he's a real interesting player, uh, six foot four, 220 pound winger that we're, uh, really have high hopes for. So he's there with, uh, the Sweden, uh, under 20 team. And like you said, we're, uh, preparing to leave on the uh, the weekend for the Alinka, which is in uh, uh, Czech and Slovakia. And of course, you know, there's, uh, we have to go through all the border restrictions and, uh, you know, we land in one country in Austria and we have to drive to Czech Republic and then drive to Slovakia. So each uh, country has a different regulations that we have to be up on and make sure we have clearance to cross the borders and all that type of thing. So, like you said, we're right back at it and preparing for next year. Well, Mark, this has been uh, awesome to have you on the on the program. I, I do have to ask you just before we go, um, and this goes back to fi- a conversation we had five years ago. 2016 draft, everyone's all excited about Patrick Line, and then you make the pick for Logan Stanley. And I've told this story on the show many times as we've talked about Stanley and his development over the last few years, that on that day, like an hour after he was picked, you sat down with us and pretty clear that this was a very different first round selection and said that, you know, he's going to go back to junior for a couple of years. He's going to go and play in the American hockey league for a couple of years. And in four years, we should see what sort of a, a player we have. The timeline is different on Logan Stanley. 
you pretty much nailed it. I mean, it was two years. It was two years. He came and had a great rookie season from a scout's perspective and a guy that was, you know, in the room as part of that pick. Um, what's it been like watching Logan follow that development path and break in with such a, a you know, an impactful rookie year on the Jet Blue Line last season? Yeah, it's been great to watch his uh, development there. And you're right, we we had the right idea on his development. Everybody develops at different rates. We knew he needed time. Uh, you know, a, a six foot seven kid. You know, he's got to grow into his body, and, and it takes and it takes time. Um, you know, he 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 pretty much pro- progressed, like you said, on the rate that we thought was going to happen. You just have to be patient. Uh, uh, sometimes, um, you know, we the, the, these players that we took yesterday. I mean, they're all players for the future. They're 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 not going to be in the Jets uh, uniform next season or probably the season after. Like it takes time, and we know it was going to take time with uh, Logan. We did see some special things on him. You know, when he played as an underage, um, the like the progression he made there as an underage player was outstanding. And we thought if, if he can make half of that progression after we're drafting him, um, you know, we could have a, a special type scenario here and it's, and it's uh, hard to find these big guys that can play and uh, you just have to be patient. And, and uh, we're obviously really happy with, uh, you know, how he played this year and, and hopefully he can still take another step and uh, bring his game uh, a little further. Well, Mark, listen, thanks so much for the time. I know Jet fans, certainly from everything we've been reading about these four selections on the weekend, pretty excited. And uh, obviously the track record of the Jet scouting department gets people fired up for draft weekend each and every year. Uh, Get the laundry done, put it back in the suitcase and uh, enjoy uh, the time on the road at the Halenka. Yeah, for sure. Thanks a lot, guys. Take care. All right, there was our chat with the Jets Director of Amateur Scouting, Mark Hillier. Yeah, Mitch, I would have asked about the timeout, but we uh, hooked up with Mark because of travel a little bit before the program. But um, I always enjoy the chat with Mark after the draft each and every year. And uh, I know I talked so much about our chat with him after the Stanley pick five years ago. thought we'd get to that as well. But thanks so much to Mark for joining us here on the program. All right, we're going to stay with the Jets. Mike McIntyre coming up in just a sec. Do you want to thank our friends at Boston Pizza? for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk from the get-go. Of course, summer is here. The patios and restaurants are open once again. And when you return to BP, make sure to check out the new summer menu, including the Burger Italiano and the Honey Dill Fried Chicken Sandwich. And uh, whether you're in the lounge, in restaurant, or on the patio, some amazing summer cocktails as well. The Bulldog Margarita Fish Bowl, the White Sangria Smash, the Galaxy Fish Bowl, and the Peachy Mojito Royale. Check it out at your local Boston pizza coming up this week. And, uh, hey, a big thanks to our friends at Little Brown Jug. Um, just got a, a word from my pal Dustin over at LBJ that uh, got a little special offer for the 100th episode today. I know many of you are already making plans for the upcoming August long weekend. And up until July 31st, we've got a special promo code for Winnipeg Sports Talk listeners, wst one hundred for free delivery on uh, your eligible home delivery order. The minimum is $35. Um, Just basically go to Little Brown Jug, the website, and 
you'll, I mean, it's easier than ever, as we've been talking about it, far easier than ever to uh, order the delicious taste of Little Brown Jug to get it right to your home. We've got merchandise as well. Those 1919 koozies are incredible. I would suggest you add one of those. Uh, but whatever your order is, Put in the promo code WST100. It'll save you the trip to the beer store. Uh, but if you were going to head out, don't forget the uh, the patio and the tap house is open right now. So you can also pop down and see them on William Avenue. But up until the 31st of July, use promo code WST100 for free home delivery from our friends at Little Brown Jug. Website again is littlebrownjug.ca or see them at their HQ over on William Avenue. And of course, not Autocorp with us from day one. Big thanks to Trevor and the Not Gang. If you're thinking about a new vehicle for you and your family, why not get a great deal on the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? Pop down and see them at Waverly and McGilvery or check them out online at not.ca. And if you're in a vehicle right now, that you need to sell or get out of a lease, talk to them about their very successful consignment program to help you get maximum value for your vehicle while moving into the new whip for you and your family. Again, not Autocorp, Waverly and McGilvery and online at not.ca. All right, let's get back to the Jets right now and welcome in our pal Mike McIntyre from the Winnipeg Free Press. Mike, how's the weekend? Lots going on in the hockey world, that's for sure. Yeah, sure was. Uh, happy 100th, by the way. Thank Huss, you. Uh, proud to be a part of this milestone mm-hmm. episode. Uh, yeah, busy weekend. You know, it's funny. The Jets and Not Autocorp, they missed a great sponsorship opportunity. I don't know if you saw the name of a player that got drafted on Saturday. His name is Cameron Why Not. <laughs> yes. imagine if the jets had taken him what what we could have done with that t not would have been on the phone immediately to get him signed up hey listen before we talk about the picks and the deals i have to ask you I, i'm still somewhat stunned at what we saw at the end of the first round oh. i mean the habs taking milieu in the first round 31st overall i thought was i mean just a horrible look um i know talking to some people that are close to folks in NHL circles, that the commissioner was absolutely nuclear after what had happened. And to be honest, that they hadn't publicly committed to the draft going to Montreal next year. I'm not sure that that would be happening. Um, And then to go from that pick at 31 to Stan Bowman channeling the Godfather from 90s WWE being flanked by eight women who essentially were PR human shields um, it's hard to imagine, Mike, that evening ending on a worse note for the National Hockey League. And we should be talking about Owen Power and Luke Hughes and all the young men. Everyone was talking about the Habs and Blackhawks and how both tone deaf and terrible everything looked. Yeah, it absolutely ended with a thud. And the optics, of course, were were horrible. And in the case of the Mayu, I mean, both those examples you just cited were absolute self-inflicted wounds you know, let's talk about the pick. First of all, that was a reach to take that player where they did anyways. I mean, based on projections, they were a lot better. Let, let's forget about everything else for a second. Just from a hockey player perspective, uh, there were better players available, which makes it even more asinine that Montreal did what they did. A guy that that literally renounced himself from the draft days earlier And for them to actually then say, well, it was that act which kind of sold us on the player 
that was the reason we believe this kid is worth taking a chance on. I mean, who are they to, if, if he himself, the player who committed this, this horrible crime is saying, I'm not ready to take on the responsibility of, of, of getting drafted. If he's saying he's not ready, who the hell are the Montreal Canadiens to insert themselves into this situation and say, actually, we're going to, we're going to help you, kid. We're going to, we're going to hold your hand and kind of get you to where you need to be here. Um, it, it was awful. And, you know, Mark Bergerman, of course, has connections to the 2010 Blackhawks team. He was the director of player personnel. Uh, I was on that Zoom call during the Stanley Cup final where Mark Bergerman was asked about what he knew. And he issued a very strong denial, said, I didn't know anything. Contrast that, by the way, with what even someone like Kevin Cheveldayoff said in his statement last week, where he admits that he knew or he heard about the allegations against Brad Aldrich prior to all, just prior to Aldrich leaving the Chicago organization in 2010. How Mark Bergevin can say that he knew nothing. I mean, again, he's the director of player personnel. But the symmetry of going, you know, Bergevin and the Blackhawks to now this pick and a bunch of other things that Montreal's done over the years. I mean, Huss, it wouldn't surprise me now. They may as well go out and sign Tony D'Angelo on Wednesday, right? Like, just just double and triple down on, on all of this awfulness. Uh, but, yeah, then to transition right into the Blackhawks pick and Stan Bowman, the man who, frankly, he shouldn't even be in that position right now. I'd say at the very least, and my buddy Ken Campbell, uh, you know, he wrote the other day that at the very least, Bowman should be on a leave right now while these allegations are investigated. But to, to turn that into a PR stunt the way they did, uh, yeah, it's just the, the whole thing just left a terrible taste in the mouths. And, and you know, the NHL one step forward and – a couple massive steps back uh, in in those in those scenarios. Yeah, it was uh, it was a tough look for the league. Uh, it was unfortunate. It took a lot of the shine away from what was a special night for a lot of young men that got picked. And as I mentioned, uh, Gary Bettman, Bill Daly, I think would have been just uh, nuclear with their anger for the way things played out. That being said, we just talked to Mark Hillier, and he sort of told us about the four young men that the Winnipeg Jets <laughs> selected. You know, we knew that they were coming into this with four picks. I thought that there might be some trading down, maybe trying to accumulate a few more picks. We talked about that with the, with Mark. Uh, bottom line is they got to their slot in the first round, jumped at Chaz, uh, Lucius, um, and, and then really, at, you know, from hearing what Mark had to say, you know, they had considered maybe going that way, but when the players that were available to them were right. available at those picks, they went straight to the podium and made them. Uh, first thoughts at the uh, class of 2021. Well, yeah, I mean, but, you know, we won't really touch too much on the last two players. I think they're further away and, you know, we'll see what they end up being. But if the Jets can hit a home run on their first two picks in Lucius and, and Chibrikov, Two very intriguing players for sure, and and two players, frankly, Huss, that they got terrific value on in terms of where the consensus was that these guys were going to go. I mean, Chibrikov was seen as a as a first rounder, and, and perhaps the issue of having two more years in the KHL and whether they could, you know, teams could get him over here, that probably caused his stock to drop. Just as if with Lucius, 
you know, that injury he had, the surgery and and the fact he missed a good chunk of his season, uh, that no doubt caused him to tumble out of what might have been a top five, top ten pick. You know, if you're the Jets, you have to be very excited. I wrote a piece in today's Winnipeg Free Press just about specifically the center ice position and and how how things have changed around here in less than a calendar year. You know, think of all the debate and discussion we've had about the Jets and the center ice position. And of course, Brian Little's, you know, very unfortunate season and career ending injury really sped up the urgency for the Jets to try and fill some holes up the middle. Uh, And we saw a bunch of people paraded in here, right? Paul Stasny by trade, Kevin Hayes, Cody Eakin, Stasny again. Uh, We've seen Andrew Kopp play center. We saw Jack Rosovic, like all these stopgap measures. And while it won't necessarily help them for the coming season, you look at what the Jets now have and their last two first-round picks in Cole Perfetti and Chaz Lucius. Add to that the fact they brought in 22-year-old Pierre-Luc Dubois, and the Jets have one heck of a succession plan in place for when, you know, Mark Shifley, who's 28, and Adam Lowry, who's 28. Like, when those guys are gone, and I'll throw in David Gustafson as well, just won the Manitoba Moose, you know, MVP. He's only 21. Like, it is not hard at all to envision in a few years from now some combination of Perfetti, Lucius, Gustafson, uh, and... Pierre-Luc Dubois as, as being, you know, what the Jets have up the middle. And, you know, I asked Mark Hillier on the Zoom the other day after the draft ended about building a team. And, and he said, like, building at the center ice position is, is such a key. And it really is. And, you know, add to that that what the Jets have done with the likes of, of Sandberg, uh, Hanela, they've got some other young guys, Gavonke, Kovacevic. Like, the blue line and the center ice position, which I think for a while – were big holes in the prospect pool. The Jets now have some very, very intriguing pieces to set them up for the future. No doubt about it. Mike McIntyre with us from the Winnipeg Free Press here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. So, Mike, moving out of the weekend, there was a ton of big trades in the league, and we can maybe get to those in a minute. The Jets weren't involved in any of them. Um, They used their picks. They made their selections. Um, They've seen some other players that maybe they... Well, I, I would assume they would have been interested in whether it was an Alexiak or Adam Larson signed deals and won't be coming to market. Um, Wednesday's a big day. Free agency opens. How do you see the Winnipeg Jets attacking Wednesday? Where will they be going? Who will the targets be? Yeah, and I think you can add Rasmus Ristolainen as a name. The Jets were yeah. certainly in on that as well. And and ultimately the Flyers, you know, they paid a price that uh, a premium for sure. One that the jets, you know, probably wisely avoided. This is a guy who think, yeah, I mean, th- this is sometimes the best moves you make are the ones you don't make. Right. And I think that that's well, an that, example. Th- just the return on Ristolainen just quickly on that Philly deal was, was stunning in that. Yeah. I mean, I think they got more for Ristolainen with one year left than they did for Sam Reinhardt, which <laughs> right. was somewhat surprising. But I mean, I know a number. I mean, there's a couple Buffalo guys that said there is no way Kevin. I believe the quote was if Kevin Adams is able to extract a first round pick from somebody for Ristolainen with his current contract status, they'll be doing your uh, run nude around the uh, the arena. And uh, well, it made me want to sh- hide your eyes because that's exactly happened. I mean, a first and a second and a hag uh, was a return that I don't think anybody saw coming. 
Yeah, I mean, an act of public indecency. And I'd say the only thing more indecent was what the Flyers gave up for a guy. I mean, give this to Philadelphia. They are not dull at all. Like, they they are, you know, they brought Ryan Ellison. Like, they're retooling that team on the fly and never a dull moment for sure. Um, Very different, of course, here in Winnipeg where we don't get a lot of blockbusters and you know, it's interesting. I wrote a piece that ran in Saturday's Free Press Huss about the idea of free agency and trades. And Elliot Friedman last week had a really interesting point in 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 a blog that he wrote. And it 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 goes along with something that I've been hearing, you know, more and more from agents. That is the the difficulty Canadian teams and the Jets would certainly be at the top of this list in just getting a lot of these players. Like you look at all the blue liners who've moved in the last two weeks, and it is an incredibly long list. There have been a lot of defensemen change teams, right? And the Jets would certainly have have had interest in a number of those blue liners. You can, you know, from Ryan Ellis and Ryan Graves and Nick Letty, like just, just go all over that list. All of those guys would have looked really good on the Jets blue line this coming season. Winnipeg really didn't have a sniff of any of them. And, you know, Elliot talked about some of the factors, certainly the tax situation in Canada versus a lot of these U.S. states. Um, he talked about, you know, COVID protocols, that that's actually scaring some teams away. Players don't like how restrictive maybe things are in Canada. And another one that I found really interesting was the idea, and I've heard this in the past as well, social media and the spotlight and that a lot of players are saying, you know what, it just ain't worth it. Um, And we saw that here in Winnipeg, right? Go back to the Montreal series and Mark Shifley and Jake Evans. Look at the way that, that Shifley's family and some friends and stuff like the vitriol that came their way. I just think you don't see that necessarily in a lot of U.S. Hell, Mike, markets. Mike, and- that wasn't just from social media. That was from actually somewhat so-called legitimate Montreal media as well. It was insane. It was. And so all of these are, are challenges. And, it, it, you know, it's interesting. It goes back to why the draft is so important for an, an organization like the Jets. And fortunately for Winnipeg, you know, they've hit it out of the park with a lot of their previous picks, and they certainly hope they've got some real, you know, pillars for the future here. Uh, but you can't just be a one-trick pony. You can't build a Stanley Cup champion strictly on drafting and developing. At least I don't think you can. You need to supplement that with some some trades that pay off and some shrewd free agent signings. And those are areas the Jets have had some difficulty in. Uh, and so I am I'm fascinated to see what Winnipeg does, you know, on Wednesday. For one thing, they're going to have to sign a lot of players because they have and whether it's some of their own guys that they bring back UFAs or just new faces, there are holes all over this lineup. And I'm specifically looking at the bottom six right now. You know, the Jets entire fourth line last year, at least what was traditionally their fourth line of pro Thompson Lewis. All those guys are UFAs, right? Uh, You've got, you know, Paul Stasny is a UFA. They lost Mason Appleton to Seattle in the expansion draft. Like that's five regular forwards last year that were in their top 12. Who's filling all those spots? I'm sure they'd like guys like Veselainen and Gustafson and maybe Perfetti to compete. But I don't think you go into training camp with those guys, you know, automatically gifted spots. So they're going to have to get some volume in terms of, of re-signings. And then on the blue line, 
you know, Tucker Pullman, Derek Forbert, who I think Elliot reported last night is probably going to Boston. I'm really curious to see if Pullman is a guy that they potentially bring back one of their own drafted and developed players, right? Who's a UFA and even Jordy Ben trade deadline edition. He won't be coming back, but there are positions that need to be filled. And one that we almost don't talk about at all, the all important backup goalie position, you know, Lauren Brassois, Kevin Chevaldeoff indicated the other day is going to test the market. The Jets will not re-sign Brassois prior to Wednesday. That doesn't mean that they don't um, during or after Wednesday, but I do think the Jets are exploring other potential options for the backup position. If Lauren Brassois maybe thinks there's a better opportunity, not behind a perennial Vesna finalist like Connor Hellebuck. So add it all up. And while it may not be huge in terms of the names and and the big splash i do expect wednesday is going to be extremely busy for the jets because it has to be they have a number of spots they have to fill yeah and and you know what it's funny when we speak about like the fourth line guys i mean to be honest the the middle and lower class i mean the jets because of their situation may go in and make some aggressive moves and maybe have to overpay a little bit for guys on that first day but I think the one thing that we've seen, Mike, and and you know, it's sort of been telegraphed throughout with the flat cap, is that the value on the free agent market is in that middle and lower class. And often it takes a day, a few days, a yeah. week for guys to realize, shit, this is the market. I mean, this is this is sort of it, it is what it is. And then maybe would come around to um, you know, to a, a situation like Winnipeg. When I think about Wednesday. I'm thinking less about who's going to be on that fourth line. I'm thinking you mentioned Paul Stastny. To me, Paul Stastny is very interesting. I mean, I certainly think he could still help the Winnipeg Jets win hockey games here. Now, it's not going to be at six and a half mil, no. but I think there would be a spot on a shorter chin deal to have Paul Stastny still part of this. I would certainly support that. Would love to see him back. But when you look at the top free agents and the the, the calls that are going to be made at twelve oh one or whatever the time that it starts at. To me, there's a couple guys that really stand out. I, listen, Dougie Hamilton, I think, is in sort of a different stratosphere, um, you know, to, to get Dougie Hamilton to Winnipeg. Although, you know, there's been a lot of other defensemen that have sort of moved into these spots. Teams have cap issues. I mean, not everyone's going to be able to afford Dougie Hamilton. No. So, you know, maybe that's there's an outside shot of the Jets being in conversations with him. But we think about that right side. To me, Tyson Berry isn't really the. I mean, listen, the guy can score, but you know he is not really that defensive stalwart that I think the Winnipeg Jets are looking. And you go down D'Angelo. I mean, he's sort of a you know in another. I mean, a very talented player that could absolutely help a team win hockey games. But there's so much baggage; it's not really the right. thing that I think the Winnipeg Jets are into. So you go down, and there's really a couple guys that stand out: David Savard on the right side, who moved from Columbus to Tampa. He'll be testing free agency. And Brandon Montour as well. You know, another guy is what he's 27 years old, plays that right side. To me, having someone that can comfortably move in and play a top four role on the right side as a nice compliment to uh, to one of those guys in the top three, to me, is the priority. Um, you know, Montour, Savard, kind of the guys that I would think would be at the top of that list. Um, what do you think about that? And anybody else you think that the Jets would be picking up the phone to an agent as early as possible when things get going? David Savard, absolutely, Haas. And the Jets had interest in David Savard at the trade deadline. And again, the price that you look at what Tampa 
paid for Dave, uh, David Savard. The Jets weren't going to pay that at the deadline. And kudos to the the, the Lightning, right? They they were all in. And David Savard, I mean, he set up the the Ross Colton Game Five Stanley Cup clincher. Um, he was he was good in the playoffs, especially. I, I don't think he did a whole lot during the regular season. I thought as the playoffs went on, David Savard played a bigger and bigger role with the Lightning. But of course, Tampa can't afford to re-sign him, and he is a name for sure that checks off a lot of boxes. I think. And the other thing is, I mentioned that piece Elliot wrote last week about players not wanting to come to Canada. One interesting nugget was that David Savard, who's originally from Quebec. Um, is interested or would be interested in coming to Canada. Now, the Montreal Canadiens, who, of course, have a hole on their blue line, they just lost, you know, Shea Weber, um, who's not going to play next season. They have been connected to to Savard, and that's he's from Quebec. That would make some sense. But I do think the Jets will absolutely be in on David Savard, whether, you know, they would probably have to overpay but I would suggest that's a player that uh, is probably worth, you know, really getting aggressive on. Uh, Montour is another interesting name for sure, because, again, that was a player that there was some talk at the trade deadline that the Jets were sniffing around on him. And I'll throw one other one, uh, Haas. I think he's probably a, a step or a tier below the two that you mentioned. But I do wonder if the Jets do revisit the issue of, of, uh, of Travis Hamanek. Um, you know, who was in Vancouver. And I, I think the door in Vancouver isn't necessarily slam shut either. Uh, but Travis Hamanuk is a guy that we believe would love to play here in Manitoba, his home province. I guess you can ask, you know, how much game is there left in Travis Hamanuk? But again, I don't think you're looking at a guy like he signed a one year really cost you know, team-friendly deal last year. He didn't break the bank. I don't think he will this year either. And so I don't think you're looking at a, a multi-year, very expensive deal. Could Travis Hamanuk come in for a season here and help the Jets? I, I think the answer probably is yes. And so I do wonder if that's a name that we see resurface uh, as the week goes on. Uh, Mike, uh, what about Andrew Klopp and Neil Pionk? Um, you hearing anything on that? Do you think that, uh, like, how important is getting some sort of clarity as to where those deals fall in at um, when it comes to what they're able to spend beginning on Wednesday? Well, for sure, it's very important, especially if, 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 let's just say, to use your your point from a few minutes ago, let's say the Jets wanted to get in on the Dougie Hamilton sweepstakes. How aggressive could you really get if you still don't know um, where Andrew Kopp and Neil Pionk's final numbers are going to fall, right? Like that, that, affects how much money you you have to play with now certainly you'd have a projection and a range um but i still think you would really need some clarity because otherwise if, if you misjudge and let's say you go all in like that i mean then you really have a problem now you've got to perhaps make another move to kind of get out from under it um i don't think it's necessarily a problem if we're talking about depth defensemen and fourth liners like the jets you know the the numbers that they're going to pay for those players, uh, it's not like they need to have it resolved. Now, that being said, is Andrew Kopp and Neil Pionk going to be re-signed by Wednesday? I would suggest that the odds are that neither is re-signed. Um, we are seeing teams certainly re-up with RFAs. I just think these are 
these are more difficult, more complex negotiations. The Jets would love to get both guys obviously locked up long term if they can, if they can get the numbers where they want them. I do think Pionk's going to be the easier of the two. I mean, Cop, of course, they already went to arbitration once. I think they would uh, they really want to avoid arbitration a second time. If you go to arbitration with Andrew Cop again, uh, that player is probably gone after one more year, right? He he's probably he's going to get a, an arbitration award that's going to walk him right into unrestricted free agency. And good luck signing the guy that you've now fought twice <laughs> with on on a salary. So you'd like some clarity for sure, uh, and you'd like some clarity because if you're not going to re-sign Andrew Cop, then you better look at trading him. And if you're trading him. Is that a piece that brings you back a top four defenseman? If it does, well, now you've got another big hole up front, and how are you filling that? So these things, and Kevin Chevaldeyev talked the other day about so many decisions affecting other decisions and so many balls in the air right now. Uh, I can only imagine what the uh, you know what what his office looks like with charts and maps and things like that projecting this and that it's it's a very turbulent time no question about it um yeah and you know i they're gearing up um for what will be certainly a very busy day and the funny thing about it is mike and you know especially you know if i mean some gm well gm jobs are different depending on the market and what you have to use cap wise and all of that um but i would imagine it'll be incredibly busy as far as contacting as many of these and then they sort of realize who do we realistically have a shot at? Who will consider Winnipeg right. as an option? And the priority has to be on the blue line. A, assumably it is on the right side. And those guys that we mentioned, I imagine, will be getting calls right off the bat. If that doesn't happen, though, then you get back into scouring the trade market. And as you mentioned, Mike, there's been plenty of movement so far. It's not like players yeah. haven't been able to be acquired by uh, by the deal. But depending on who you're dealing with, you're either trading Picks and prospects going forward. That's never really been a big part of the Winnipeg Jets MO going forward to fill a particular need, uh, which makes it that much more interesting considering the immediate needs they have. But at the same time, some pretty promising players that maybe aren't too far from being in the lineup in the relatively near future. For sure. And, you know, you, you'd like, you'd like to think you had a, you have a bit better read on, where Hanola and Sandberg are in terms of this coming season, right? And like, are both those guys going to be in the lineup? And you look at the left side, the Jets' left side, uh, Derek Forbert, it would it would appear is not coming back, right? So you've got you know you've got Josh Morrissey, you've got Logan Stanley, who you didn't who you protected, didn't lose in in uh, in the expansion draft. But let's say, if, are you projecting that you're going to have Stanley? And Hanela and Sandberg, like all somehow in the lineup at the same. That's a lot of young. That's a lot of youth, right? Um, and those are all guys that you know would slot in potentially on the left side. So, yeah, it's you know I go back and forth on what do the Jets need more? Is it the right side? Is it the left side? You know, Forbert, of course, was was your second pairing left side defenseman and a, and a very effective left side uh, pairing with Neil Pionk. The the Jets use that. I think for much of the season as their shutdown pair. Now I believe that, you know, Morrissey DeMello is your true shutdown pair. They certainly did a good job against Edmonton um, in the first round. And then DeMello of course goes down, unfortunately with that injury 
uh, in the first shift of game one against Montreal. And I think that along with the Shifley stupidity is what cost the Jets that series. Um, but Tucker Pullman is a guy that was at times your number one right side defenseman. Um, so, you know, if Forbert and Pullman both aren't back, like those are guys that spent a lot of time in the top four. And we were already talking about the Jets needing a top four defenseman, even when they had those guys. Um, so it just, it, it really illustrates the work that Kevin Shoveldayov has to do here. And, you know, going back to Kopp and Pionk, yes, he's got some money to play with in free agency, but I'm not sure they know exactly how much they have to play with right now. And that's another little wrinkle in all of this. Yeah, no doubt about it. Could you see Stanley getting an opportunity with Pionk? I could, yeah, for sure. I mean, maybe, like, is that your top four right now? The guy, the four guys we just talked about is Morrissey DeMello, um, number one, and is Stanley Pionk your number two? Um, and then some, right now, if you were making a Jets depth chart based on what they have right now, I'd say, yes, that is your top four right now. And then, you know, the other guys under contract, Sammy Niku is still under contract. I thought the Jets might move him for a draft pick this past weekend. They didn't. Uh, Nathan Bolio, of course, is under contract as well. Uh, and he was injured toward the end of last season. But to me, Nathan Bolio, if, if you're slotting him in as anything but a seventh or eighth defenseman, then you haven't done your job this offseason. Like he's a depth guy, sure, but that's all he should be. And then, of course, Hanel and Sandberg. So, I mean, those are the eight names right now that the Jets have. Uh, but so I would say Stanley Pionk, you know, barring other moves that are coming, that probably is your second pair. Now, is that good enough? Uh, is that an improvement over last year? Um, you know, I, I'm not so sure about that. Stanley, lots of potential for sure. But don't forget, he mostly played in a sheltered third pairing role last year. I suspect that the Jets will try to get him some more responsibility this season, but would that involve a full-time kind of second-pairing role? If I'm the Jets, to me, if Stanley's on your third pair this year for most of the season, that's probably the best way to use him, at least for the for his sophomore season. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly, I mean, he'll get more and more of a role on the PK. Although I will right. say this, I mean, listen, I, I give the Jets credit, the signing of Derek Forbert, I mean, they got... Nice bang for their buck. I mean, it's a million-dollar contract. He played significant minutes along with Neil Pionk. But we really did see the law of diminishing returns from Forbort throughout yeah. the season. And, like, I wouldn't have had an issue if they had, you know, gone with a player like Stanley when he was actually showing quite well later on to maybe do that. But, you know, I, I realize they've been reticent to advance the player too much. And I think you're right. I think, you know, a third pairing along with PK duties is probably where he fits in right now. And, again... We're just talking about the way things are. I think everyone expects there to be a player or two that's added uh, once we get through at least the first few days of free agency. Um, and that'll be something we'll be following here. And I know you'll be writing about her on the free press throughout the next few days and weeks, Mike. Um, I'd have to ask you about some of these deals on the weekend. What, what, what was your reaction when you heard the ticket Seth Jones is going to be earning for the next eight years in Chicago? I, Listen, I, I like Seth Jones. I'm not as down on him as some people were after the one season. Definitely could play on my team. But wow, he's now the third highest paid defenseman in the National Hockey League. And um, I don't know. It seems like Stan Bowman's doing a whole lot of big things right now. Uh, wonder why that is, Mike. Uh, you know, um, 
Uh, it's still not taking a lot of heat off the organization, but wow, what a swing for the fences. A huge price to pay up to get Jones and an absolutely massive financial commitment. Here's what puzzles me about what the Blackhawks are doing. I mean, you hear the term sometimes sucking and blowing at the same time. Like, are the Blackhawks, are they are they rebuilding? Are they retooling? I mean, they moved Duncan Keith, right? And... You know, they have Kane and Taze is apparently coming back this season and who knows how effective he'll be after missing a year. Like they've got this strange, they're giving off vibes that they're not sure what they're really doing here. Like you either tear it down and sort of go full rebuild or I guess they're trying to retool on the fly, but now they just committed massive salary and term um, and they gave up a hell of a lot just to be able to then pay a massive price Right. Like, I mean, Adam Boquist is a really good player. And like, I I just I don't totally understand what they're doing. I mean, we we could go. I could say that about a number of teams right now. I see what the Canucks sort of just did. And they, they shed some dead weight and some salary now that I guess helps them in the next year or so. But now they took on a massive cap hit and a player that certainly a lot of diminishing returns with, with Oliver Ekman Larson. I mean, maybe he finds some new life with a new team, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of head scratchers going on. Um, and I'll, I'll say this as somebody who loves chaos and, and action. Like we we've got no shortage of it. That's for sure. Um, and you know, all this talk that the flat cap was going to, was going to create just sort of nothing and just boredom has actually been the opposite. Like it seems like there's a lot of teams hitting the panic button or they're, they're not sure where they are in their, in their, in their development phase. So they're kind of trying to do a whole bunch of things at the same time makes for some great discussion and debate for sure. Well, it does. And, 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 you know, speaking of cap space, I mean, this is all in the, you know, days removed from the expansion draft. Yeah. You know, we know that Ron Francis didn't have a lot of luck. Well, he had no luck, in fact, in getting NHL GMs to pay his price to to to, to decide on what to do. And they valued cap space over over everything. When you think about what the value of cap space is right now, and I think specifically to those two trades that Arizona famously made for right. no return. Um, you know, Andrew Ladd was two seconds and a third. Gostas Bear was a second and a seventh. Um there certainly is a, a you know a market being established right now on what the cost is to get out of some of these deals. Right. And we'll see Seattle do that on an individual basis, I'd imagine, with a few teams. But the Coyotes deal with the Canucks was fascinating on a couple of levels, Mike, in that, you know, they're taking three of the worst contracts in the National Hockey League all in one swoop. The other side of it is they get out of the Oliver Ekman Larson deal, who was disgruntled, wanted a change of pace. I'm not as down on him as maybe any others are. Seven million dollars, not a great. I mean, you'd still like it to be less. It's the term and how long yeah. that deal goes. But from Jim Benning's perspective, I totally get why he made this deal. Takes care of a few mistakes. Get those gets those guys out of Vancouver. Gets a really talented young player in Connor Garland Connor as Garland. part of this deal. And the bottom line is this is to make them better today and this year, because let's face it, if they're not better this year, Jim Benning's not going to have a job anyways. Yeah. And of course they also gave up the ninth overall pick to Arizona. So, which I know a lot of people say, well, Connor Garland's a really good player, but they probably just lost a really good potential player in what they would have picked. But for Arizona, like it hurts Arizona short term for sure. 
they're going to be terrible this year, Huss. <laughs> and Jets fans should be really excited that they're in the Central Division. Uh, right? I mean, they're going, and I don't know what Chicago is going to be like either this year. Um, I don't know what to make of the Blackhawks, but you know, you have two really interesting teams in Arizona and Chicago now in within the Jets division. Uh, but Arizona, they're they're not building for next year. They're building for a few years from now, and all those terrible contracts they expire after next year. Uh, so they're trying to set themselves up, obviously, for future success and. Again, there's a new arena discussion going on. There seems to always be a new arena discussion in Arizona. Uh, but so they're planning for the future. And as you say, Jim Benning, his his seat is a lot hotter than it is in the desert right now. Um, but for sure, I mean, Seattle may use them. You know, Ron Francis may use his team now and that cap space, weaponize it, almost act as a brokerage firm, right? Maybe they they take on some bad contracts to teams that want to make other moves, but need to need some financial help. So, I mean, that's what teams with cap space do. Steve Eiserman did that with the Red Wings and is, has done that with the Red Wings and they've now reaped the reward. They, you know, they got a nice piece like Nick Letty. Like that's what, that's how you, that's how you try and get better as quickly as possible. And for the Seattle Kraken, they're trying to build from the ground up. So yeah, they're a really interesting team to watch here going into Wednesday. I know Jaden Schwartz is a player that it's rumored is, may already have kind of a verbal agreement uh, with the Kraken, um, depending on what other moves they make. But yeah, it adds another wild card to this uh, this wild sort of week or two here in the in the NHL. Oh, Mike's with us. Hey, by the way, great to see everyone filling up the YouTube chat. If you haven't already, do us a favor, hit that thumbs up button. Uh, give us a like. If you're watching on a mobile, you can just close the chat, hit that thumbs up, big help. And if you haven't already, Make sure you've hit that red subscribe button and join us daily here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Outside of the Jets, Mike, going into Wednesday, is there a team or two to you that you're particularly intrigued by what they do? Well, you know, I guess a little closer to home here, Edmonton. Like, I I am curious to see what the Oilers are able to do. Um, you know, is they just lost Adam Larson, right? Like, a big piece and... Um, you know, are they are they going to be a team that gets aggressive and and tries to fill that spot? Like they've had a really weird off season so far as well in in taking Duncan Keith, and we don't know what's going to happen with Tyson Berry. Like, would you even want Keith and Berry both on your blue line? Um, you know, and and they are a team that should be taken the big swing to try and complement the likes of McDavid and Dreisaitl. So, you know, Mike Smith just got re-signed. Sounds like they couldn't get rid of Koskinen's contract. Like, are they going to go into next season with with potentially a worse blue line and the same two goalies who are both in, in the Smith's case, your number one is now a year older. Like really? Um, so, yeah, I mean, and, and, you know, Toronto, of course, always curious to see what the Leafs are up to. And, um, you know, Freddie Anderson and the goalie market, like there's another really interesting thing. We talk about Brassois and the Jets and, you know, is there a starting goalie job out there for a guy like Lauren Brassois? I, I don't think so, but the goalie market should be fascinating, right? Like, look, Carolina what are they doing? I mean, are, there's been talk of Antti Ranta or maybe Freddie Anderson. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of 
of really interesting storylines to kind of keep an eye on. But certainly here in Canada, you know, Edmonton and Toronto are two teams that I'm really curious to see in addition to the Jets, what they do. And then, yeah, how the, how the dominoes kind of fall with regards to the goaltender market. Well, and, and you know what? The other team I'll throw in there and I'll be getting a lot of flames intel this week as I'm doing the, the big show all week with Pat Steinberg in Calgary on 960. Um, that team, you know, whether they do they trade Monaghan, who do they move off of? Johnny Gaudreau's no trade kicks in on Wednesday. Been a lot of talk about him. And yeah. they're a team that consistently is mentioned as to going after Jack Eichel. Although the more I look at, you know, the assets that they have, I'm just not sure they have what it takes to make the deal. Um, but man, you mentioned the loss of Adam Larson. I mean, for crying out loud, Calgary lost Mark Giordano on their blue yeah. line. And you know, it's kind of interesting. There was so much concern about the Jet Blue Line and, you know, having a player like Dylan DeMello exposed. Both Alberta teams took huge hits on the Blue Line right now and as of right now have not filled massive, massive spots, uh, holes in the lineup. And it has to hurt that those hits on their Blue Line came at the expense of a brand new division rival <laughs> in the Kraken. They'll be able to watch Giordano and Larson play against them a bunch of times this year. And, uh, and potentially and be battling for a playoff spot with him, right? Like that Pacific division is fascinating. Vegas is going to be Vegas and they probably win the division again by default. But I mean, after that, like all three California teams are kind of still in the early stages of a rebuild. Um, then you've got, you know, Vancouver and Calgary and Edmonton and the expansion Kraken and, don't forget, three teams are guaranteed to make the playoffs out of that division. Um, it really opens the door to uh, to all kinds of uh, of interesting intrigue, for sure. No doubt about it. Well, Mike, listen, thanks so much. This is a great chat. I know you're going to be very busy this week. Really enjoyed the piece today and coming all the draft coverage on the weekend in the Winnipeg Free Press. What do you have cooking uh, coming up for Jets fans as we head into free agency on Wednesday? Yeah, so tomorrow uh, I'm going to write sort of a piece identifying some names to keep an eye on and names that I'd like to see the Jets both on the blue line and at the forward position to kind of take a run at. And so all that and then, yeah, full coverage as the week goes on here. And also would like to weigh in a little later in the week on the Mayu situation and the Blackhawks and do some more work on on that. I mean, some great reporting coming out of Chicago and about Chicago. That's an issue that for sure, Haas, it's important on all of us in the, the hockey journalism community not to let that story just go away. And uh, so I've certainly got some more uh, planned on that as well going forward. Mike, really appreciate you joining us. And I know everyone did here in the YouTube chat. Thanks. And we will look forward to uh, everything you got cooking up in the free over the next few days. You bet, Huss. Take care. Enjoy. By the way, there he is, Mike McIntyre with his brand new Expos hat joining us on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Um, we've got to get Remus back in here in a minute. Um, do want to, before we get to some other topics, congratulate Braxton Kuntz of Breezy Bend. Uh, normally we'll do our Breezy Bend report about what's happening in golf, but the biggest thing that happened certainly here with the course was the Manitoba Junior Champion and Manitoba Amateur Champion 
became the Breezy Bend Club Champion. And the club championship at Breezy with the amount of top players they have at the course is an incredible accomplishment. I think he is a lock for the Manitoba Golfer of the Year. But a big congratulations to Braxton for that big win as the club champion uh, following up his Manitoba Junior and Amateur. Um, if you got some young golfers or you're thinking about a home for the family golfing next year, Breezy Bend Country Club, breezybend.ca. Give Corey Johnson a call. Get on that waiting list and uh, enjoy one of the great golfing spots in Manitoba with that beautiful 19th hole patio, great junior program, ladies programs, and more. Breezybend.ca. Um, Assiniboia Downs is back. And tonight we have fans for the first time. And I do know, we'll get to our picks in a minute. I do know that they are going to be uh, firing it up with food trucks downstairs out in the in the outdoor area. 50% capacity. Everybody double vaxxed. It'll be safe. It'll be majority outside. So if you've been waiting to finally get back to the track like we have, you can get out there beginning tonight. Live racing is on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And uh, I'll talk more about this later on in the week. But uh, the the uh, folks at the track did put out a news release today that they are offering a $1 million payout on Manitoba Derby Day coming up next Monday on August 2nd. Um, so it is going to be a huge, huge weekend uh, for racing around the world. And Monday is the Manitoba Derby, the biggest day of the year at Assiniboia Downs and a $1 million payout for the jackpot pick five. Uh, find out more. Dining room reservations. VLTs are open. It's all there at asdowns.com. And uh, once again, thanks to our friends at Aikens Lake. Uh, just had an absolutely incredible weekend out there. I did uh, get a note from Pitt that I believe Jeff Mickey, a couple other WST listeners are going to be heading out there. So uh, great choice. It is just a jewel of the province. And big thanks to Pitt for having us out. You can find out more at AkinsLake.com. We will get to the cool bet lines in a moment, and we'll get to our picks as well for Assiniboia Downs. Uh, but let's get Michael Remus back in here. And uh, Remo, that was a great chat with Mike. I mean, Mike's one of our guys. We always love talking about him, but, you know, talking with him. Uh, but certainly a lot to unpack coming out of draft weekend, both as it pertains to the Winnipeg Jets, the job for Shevel Dayoff going forward into Wednesday, as well as everything that happened in a pretty wild weekend in the uh, National Hockey League. Oh, yes. Has no shortage of topics to get to here. It is a busy time of year. Who's getting bought out? Who's getting qualifying offers? Who's signing contracts, making trades? We got a long, long list of stuff. You know, didn't even get too deep into the uh, Jets draft picks. I was following the chat. There was a lot of debate early during the Mark Hillier conversation. You know, a lot of people saying, you know, the Jets should have taken uh, Carson Lambos. How could they not? He's from Winnipeg. We need a Winnipeg star. And I kind of agree with that, too. But it seems like Chaz Lucius... Um, fell, you know, really hard, was ranked, consensus ranked much higher, and he seemed to be a good pick. And you also do, I think one thing you don't factor in is, you know, the amount of pressure on a player, being the hometown guy, the amount of uh, media requests, ticket requests, I think that's a lot to put on a young player. And you know, eventually, I think there will be a uh, a player from Winnipeg who or Manitoba who, you know, plays for the Jets. We haven't really had one since Eric Fair signed, and uh, Derek Meech as well played with, you know, the Moose, and I think he played a bit with the Jets. But uh, I, it seems like, um, from what I've read, this Chaz Lucius you know, has, has big uh, potential, great shot, big scorer. So uh, I think you have to be pumped with the, with the player that the Jets got at, uh, in the first round. 
Yeah, well, I'll tell you, I and mean, we had Scott Wheeler on the program heading into the weekend. He just does a phenomenal job, prospect ranking, scouting for the athletic. And uh, if you missed it, go back to my feed on Twitter um, or Marat uh, from Friday into Saturday. Um, the piece he wrote on Chaz Lucius, I mean, if you're a Jet fan, and again, this was written a month ago or so heading into the draft. Very, very exciting prospect and young man. And I know there was some concerns about the injury, uh, but he came back and was uh, scoring at a point-a-game clip uh, in some pretty good competition once he did return. So um, I get it. And yeah, I mean, I'm a Winnipeg. I would love to see some hometown players. I mean, sometimes I'm jealous of all the great Manitoba talent they've got down in Vegas and on some other teams. Uh, but again, when it comes to the draft, you can't really, like, what does it, Chevy say? You know, you, we don't draft by passport. Um, they've been open to it. They want to get the best players. We would have said they never took Russian players. I mean, they drafted one Russian skater uh, in since 2011, and that was Pavel Kraskovsky, a Russian goalie in the Birdman, who's still with uh, with the with the club, and then drafted two this year. So I think different situations will dictate the way they direct the the team goes. Um, but I think everyone would love to see you know a hometown guy or two on the club. Uh, but at what expense? I mean, you, you know, at the end of the day, you want the best player to help you win hockey games first and foremost. And listen, I, I'm a big fan of Lambos. He had a tough year. His stock did drop somewhat from where he was last year. Um, the other guy, Reem, that I was quite intrigued and interested in uh, as far as the Jets pick goes was the uh, young defenseman Colton uh, Kuberland, I believe his name is, coming out of the AJHL. He ended up going 22nd. A uh, big, strong, right shot defenseman. And I don't know, sometimes I'm focusing a lot on somebody for the right side because of the current situation the team is in right now. But, you know, long gone are the days where you were stacking up Buff and Truba and Myers on the right side of the Jet Defense Corps. Um, mm -hmm. Those guys are all gone now. And it does seem like, you know, there's a bit more of a premium on guys on the blue line playing that right side. Certainly, I think that'll be the case when Winnipeg starts talking to free agents on Wednesday. Yeah, I think a lot of these draft picks, Hess, I mean, as much as you want a guy to pick a guy and have him come in right away, um, they were picking for a couple of years down the road, and that's what Mark Hillier said in your conversation earlier. And if you did uh, miss it, go, uh, you can rewind this uh, back to, what, like 25 minutes in uh, where he joined you. But the Jets, uh, as far as defense, I think that's going to be their focus. And we were talking in the chat, I mean, what does their defense look like? Is it uh, Morrissey, DeMello? You know, Pion Canela and then Stanley on your third pair. I know you and Mike were debating this as well. And how many defense did they bring in? Elliot Friedman tweeted out that Derek uh, Forbort, he's predicting Derek Forbort to Boston. Now, uh, Elliot Friedman's a guy I trust. He's got a track record. So, you know, maybe it sounds like his time uh, is ending with the Jets. And he played a big role, I think, for the first, you know, half. He was great. And maybe, you know, we talked about this on here, how he could have maybe used a bit of a rest in the second half. But I definitely think he um, overperformed the contract that he signed here. So we'll see. Can they find another guy who can step in? I know see people in chat saying Jake McCabe mentioned David Savard. I know he's been rumored to go to Montreal, but said he would go to a Canadian team. So Wednesday, uh, you know, we'll have all the answers about free agents. Maybe not all, because there's going to be some guys who, who don't sign. Maybe some veteran guys hold out. But uh, we do know the Jets you know, need some defense. And also they got a couple of UFA forwards like, uh, Stasny and Perot. And I've seen a lot of people in chat mention a Twitter rumor um, from an unverified account saying... A Twitter rumor? Bring it, bring it. Uh, well, what's the Twitter rumor? I, I, that's from an Stas unverified account. An unverified that's just a great account. start. People, a lot of people... Hey, I'm, not, I'm only bringing it up because a lot of people in chat are saying, hey, have you seen this rumor? 
I only go trust rumors from verified hockey insiders, Bob McKenzie, Elliot Friedman, Darren Drager, Frank Cervelli. You know, you we all know who they are, Pierre LeBron. Mike Commodore. Andy Strickland. So unless I hear from those guys, I'm not putting a lot of stock into it. So I, I'm just mentioning that because I have seen people come in chat and say, hey, did you hear this rumor from this account? Like, I don't even so know. So what the- is the rumor? Just, just like considering the source, we know that this is probably, I mean, I'm always in to listen to a rumor. And I'm always in for sometimes rumors. Sometimes laugh at just how ridiculous some of them sound. Uh, let's see. What was the rumor? Oh, yeah. And at NHL Rumors Daily on Twitter. Uh, again, it doesn't have a name. NHL Rumors Daily. So, somehow, this, great somehow this account has 45,000 followers. I don't know if they're real Ooh. or fake. If it's got, so I don't know, maybe it, it's on Twitter. It must be true, but the obviously legit. Yeah, it says. Appears there's significant traction. Paul Stasny resigning with the Jets, awaiting numbers. Again, I have. I'm not, I don't buy it if it's not well, from I'll one of those guys. What, I hope that's true. I will yeah. tell you that. And as I just mentioned to Mike, um, I have a ton of time for Paul Stastny. I think he's a very, I, he's important on the ice. And I think he's maybe as important off the ice for the Winnipeg Jets. And, um, you know, in some ways he was sort of the conscience of the club. And listen, I know Blake Wheeler's the captain and Blake is, um, you know, Blake is Blake. He kind of does his, you know, handles his business as he does, deals with the team and his teammates as he's done. And, Certainly they love him and what he does as a captain, but Paul Stastny, I mean, we think back to, you know, the Frank comments that he had during that terrible slump towards the end of the season. Um, You know, those are the things that sort of need to be said. And, you know, it needs to be said by somebody outside of Blake Wheeler. And um, tell you what, we talked a lot about the, this situation at center. I think everyone counting on Pierre-Luc Dubois to have a much better season next year, but you know, you can't have enough depth at that position and uh, with everything that Paul Stastny's brought to Winnipeg, I uh, would think that would be a great move for the Jets to uh, to be able to pull off if they could get Stastny to commit to sticking around here for another season or two in Winnipeg. Hey, just noticed uh, Brown Eyed Girl MJD asking, very late question, but uh, did Huss say how the appointment Friday went? Did it go okay? Major feel of dental work. Uh, listen, root canals are not fun. Um but it went well. My doc uh, got it all done in the time allotted. I had a chipmunk face for about the next 24 hours, and uh, now I'm back. So the grill is intact. A special thanks to everyone that popped in the super chat for the gold tooth fund. Uh, still working on fronts going forward for next week for uh, for the uh, for the full grill. Uh, but as of right now, feeling much better. Appreciate you. Uh, appreciate you asking. Um, didn't get the gold in. We're working on how the final look is going to be BA uh, going forward. Um, Remo, I do want to get to the cool bet odds. I also want to get to the uh, our picks. But before we do, let's quickly talk about the Olympics. Um, I, first of all, are you into the Olympics? And I would love everyone in chat, if you're with us, have you been watching it? Did it sort of catch up on you once you found it was on? Did you find yourself watching quite a bit of it? Or have you been slow to get in? It's been such a strange lead into the Olympics. And it's been very unfortunate with everything that's happening in Japan and the shutdowns, the no fans, what the athletes are going through. I mean, I know there were a lot of people complaining, oh, could cancel the Olympics. I'm not there at all. Uh, much like we heard the same people saying that when the NHL was going to play, um, you know, these athletes deserve the opportunity, especially the Olympians. 
They work so hard. This is uh, often their one chance to compete on that world stage. And even if it's not an ideal situation, I think they do deserve to it as long as they're, you know, getting taking all the proper safety protocols. Um, you certainly don't want any big explosion of the virus in the Olympic Village, which there apparently has been some transmission there. That's very concerning. But simply for the athletes, it's important that they get an opportunity to do it. And uh, what a weekend it was. Uh, Maggie McNeil Rima winning Canada's first gold medal in the uh, was it the 100 meter butterfly, an absolutely stunning final lap from the Canadian who made the turn in seventh and passed everybody else and got to the turn at the end. It was uh, a great golden moment for Canada on what was a pretty exciting weekend, especially in the pool as uh, former Lou Marsh winner Penny Alexiak got onto the podium again, silver medal with the Relay Girls. Big big joke on Twitter, not joke, but the big line is, oh, what a week for the Alexiak family. Jamie signs a deal with Seattle. Penny's winning silver medals, former Lou Marsh award winner. It's funny, I was watching that Maggie McNeil race on NBC. And they were they didn't even notice that she was in the race and she had won. I don't even think they showed a camera shot of her till like a minute <laughs> after the race. They were just focused on the American who didn't win and someone else. So I maybe I was watching the wrong I think I know I definitely was watching the wrong feed because my wife and I were watching. We were waiting for uh, Simone Biles, uh, the goat for USA gymnastics last night. That's what that's what's going on in our household, uh, gymnastics twenty four seven. But um I watched that. It was a, it was an awesome race. Good for her. But I got a kick out of the NBC feed. We know they're very pro USA, but di- they really didn't even acknowledge that she won. Uh, it was all about uh, who didn't win. And I thought Listen. that was funny. But congrats, uh, congrats, sir. But I got to say, CBC's coverage. Um, if you go on their website, they have you know you can watch on TV, but on their site um, under live, they have a number of different events at any time that you can watch and all the replays. So I do think uh, we're very. Uh, fortunate to have such great coverage from CBC. Well, you know what? I will agree. And of course, we've got to give a big shout out to our guy, Tyler Mislachuk, representing Canada and Winnipeg from Oak Bluff. Um, he finished 15th in the triathlon yesterday. I was, re- I mean, I've never watched a triathlon before. I will admit, I sure as hell have never participated in a tri- triathlon, which will surprise absolutely nobody. But watching the those athletes do what they did yesterday. I mean, the guy that won was down on the ground for about three minutes afterwards, immediately got up and barfed. And I would say, I don't think anyone is more could say they, they, they should legitimately be puking in public more than potentially an Olympic triathlete. So it was incredible. And yes, to your point, Reem, uh, I was out over at a local establishment and I don't think they had it on CBC. I wasn't sure whether they'd have the full coverage anyway. So I got it up on my phone and, it was phenomenal. And uh, listen, I, I was just amazed. I'm always amazed by the incredible athletes that we have at the Olympics that we don't see very often. Uh, was really hoping that Tyler would have a great race. He certainly did. I'm sure he would have liked to have gone onto the podium, but not everybody does. But overall, it was uh, an, an awesome, awesome weekend to, as we get ready for yeah. the Olympics. And tell you what, I'm ready for tomorrow. The, the the sport that I'm by far the most into and most emotionally into is the women's soccer. Big game, Canada, Great Britain. I believe it's at seven uh, 6 or 7 a.m. tomorrow. So hopefully we'll be able to mm-hmm. talk about Des Scott and the girls with another big win tomorrow, moving on to the next round. They're one win and one draw so far in their two matches. Yeah, it is 14 hours ahead. So I think they do a good job on the primetime shows mixing in what you missed the other night, but then showing some live stuff like the swimming, which seems to take place early in the morning. You know, I did put out a poll here. We can do polls on the YouTube chat 
uh, 60 votes of the uh, 260 people in here right now, 53% of the 60 people say they are watching. 47% no. I'm surprised how high that is um, for no. It is on all the time. There are elite athletes. There are a number of sports. You know, there are some new sports too this year. Skateboarding, uh, getting some love. Uh, I think the girl who won or the people who won are like 14 years old, which uh, seems insane. Um, skateboarding, I mean, people are saying, why? how is skateboarding Olympic sport? I mean, well, snowboarding is. What's, what's the difference? And, I uh, watched the girls or the yeah. well, I, I guess it was women's skateboarding, but it was sort of girls because the top two were 13 year old yeah. phenoms. It was absolutely insane yesterday uh, watching that. And, absolutely loved it. Oh, and Maul Paris, I'm glad you mentioned this. Can't remember what I did earlier, but speaking of soccer, we're focusing on our girls out at the Olympics. Canadian men's national team, big win last night over Costa Rica at the Gold Cup. They're off to the semifinals. And they will take on the Mexicans. I think the game against Mexico is on Thursday. We'll definitely hit on the, that on the cool bet odds as we get a little bit closer to the game. But uh, great weekend for Canadian yeah. soccer for both of our men's and women's squads. Yeah, just for uh, you know some other sports, a uh, three-on-three basketball in there. And uh, there, there was also the big joke yesterday morning on Twitter after Team USA lost to France in basketball that Kevin Durant was ready to... <laughs> Move over and play for France. <laughs> which, <laughs> that way I got a kick. People were just photoshopping Durant's head on a France player's body with the jersey. I got. I mean, that doesn't get old. I mean, you can rip nice that guy. Parisian off. cafe Durant yeah. with some cheese, maybe some wine, <laughs> turning yeah. into it. It was yeah. great. That was such an insane upset. I we were talking on the lock shop earlier today with Chris Abbott. And he said France was eight or nine to one as an underdog to win that game. So um, very rarely will you see a dog uh, bark that loudly, but they did. And uh, that USA team now between playing before the event and now is two and three. So you'd have to think they are, however, Reem, 41 and a half point favorites over the Iranians in their next game. Big revenge game for Team USA, I expect. Yeah, we'll see if they can... uh... I mean, if they can rebound, I know they lost all of their qualifiers. That's a team we're all watching. I know, although everyone on Twitter last night was tweeting about Luka Doncic, who's uh, or Doncic, who's throwing down for what Slovenia, uh, and putting yep. on an incredible performance as well. So I mean, games, uh, you know, middle of the night, but uh, if you can, you know, stay up late and watch it. Uh, the primetime shows. I mean, CBC is going nonstop. It is on the other sports channels too. <laughs> so I, I'm a big fan of the Olympics. So it's easy, very easy. Uh, to get in and maybe maybe we'll see uh, the Lou Marshall Award winner come from, you know, this two week stretch here. Well, probably that often happens. Um, you know, yeah. I can tell you that the voting panel really, I mean, in Olympic years, tries to give it to Olympians just because they really don't have that opportunity in most of the yeah. other years. General Tom Durant is taking his talents to France. Yeah, <laughs> that is wonderful. Hey, if you're with us, uh, by the way, give us a thumbs up there. I uh, could use a few more if you don't mind. Um so, Reem, let's get to it. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's get to the cool bet odds for today. And this is this is a first, Reem. If you go to the cool bet site, look on the left, and you'll see NFL, MLB, NBA draft, three Olympic things. And then, lo and behold, the Lock Shop Boosted Odds Partner what? Parlay. Where? Right where? there. Well, just go to the main site. No, just I- click on, the, click on the, the main front page. There you go. Now go down on the left. You will see the options. Oh, it's right there. You just passed it. 
You just passed it, Reem. Right there at the lock shop, right beside Olympic basketball. Olympic. Oh, the lock shop. It's right here. There it is. There it is. Click oh, on it. <laughs> and, you, and you will see, you will see our pick today. So if you haven't seen the lock shop, I'll make a pick. Dustin Nielsen <sighs> makes a pick and Cool Bet Chris makes a pick and we put it together into a parlay. So today's picks, Dusty's got the twins. I'm rolling with Otani and the Angels. And Chris is on the Canada men's rugby sevens. That bet normally, if you put those three in, I think comes into about plus 265, plus 270. But they boosted the odds for us. So it's plus 310. I'll be making that right now. If you want to ride with us, just simply click on that boosted partner parlay and you will get a, a much better number than if you made it yourself. And if you haven't bet at Cool Bet before, use promo code WST on your first deposit and you'll get a bonus of 100% up to $200. That's promo code WST. Other things to get into, uh, we did on the lock shop, Olympic golf made some picks on that. Um, the other story with the Olympic golf, Remo, speaking of the odds, um, it was good if you got in early on some guys because the odds got shaken up big time with John Rahm and Bryson DeChambeau both testing positive for COVID. Uh, John Rahm, I mean, What's he, he been just doing? tested positive two weeks ago, or a month ago, yeah. two months ago. He came back and got it again. And he was really unfortunate. They're both out. Um, so now Morikawa is the favorite. I was on Hideki Matsuyama at 18 to 1. He's now 13 to 1 as some of those numbers have come down. But yeah. if you don't want to get, I believe that gets going on Wednesday. Um, so you can get to it. All the odds there available at CoolBet. Uh, but if you want to get in on our Lock Shop Boosted Partner Parlay, you'll have until about 6 o'clock tonight when the baseball games start boosted to plus 310. I will say, before we move on, I love how DeChambeau withdrew and they replaced him with another real likable guy in Patrick Pat Reed. Reed. That's that's the best. <laughs> it's like it's like you're in wrestling, like some heel can't uh, go in the main event. they got to put in another heel to replace him. <laughs> that's exactly right. And listen, I, I could totally see Patrick Reed showing up and winning it too. I mean, he's just that type yeah. of guy. And you know, not an easy guy to cheer for, but a certainly a hell of a golfer. Um, so yeah, they're back at the post tonight. Fans allowed. Got to have your Vax uh, proof, but you can get in there 50%. I imagine we'll get to see a lot of people coming out in the next few weeks to see some live racing. Remote, let's get to our uh, let's get to our picks for uh, today's races for our season long duel at the Downs. Uh, where where are you at right off the bat? You're, you've got your picks good to go. I'm good to go. Let me bring the picks in the new HPI Bet website in all white, and I am going. Let's see, race starting off. Oh shit! I uh oh I screwed up one of mine. Hold on, I bet. Well, here, I'll tell you what I'm going to Okay, here, do. I can give you mine you while you while you get yours ready. Yeah. I've got bets on the first four races. And who knows, maybe a couple later ones if I do half decently in the first one. Starting off with race number one, I'm putting a $2 win bet on Gavin, who is number two. Moving on to the next race, I think I'm taking the selections, the program selections, the top three ranked horse horses, and doing the $1 triactor wheel, $6 bet, Drizzy, Call Me Richard, and Wits Dollar Night. So that's race number two. My big bet is going to be number three. I'm putting half the stack. I'm putting 10 bucks on a 1-2 Quinella, Extrema, and Alberta Sun. Very chalky pick, 
but hopefully it can win maybe double the money or so. And then the final bet of the 20, um, it, it, every time you get with it, race four, um, not a lot of track history on most of these races. So it's a, a, a horses, I should say, a little bit more of a, a crapshoot. So we're going to go with Jeannie Deans and uh, uh, Hatshepsut, three and six, put it that way. Two bucks on the Quinella. Those are my $20 of bets today, and uh, hopefully we'll get some winners. Where are you going, Reem? Uh, oh, I uh, let me just double check. I, I got to replace one of mine, but I am on a similar thing to you here. I have, um, what did I do? Okay, good. I'm good. I got to make another $3 bet, but I'll show you where I went. I did race two, very similar to you. Uh, let me just bring this up uh, better. One sec. Okay, I'm going to do this. Race two, very similar to you. I'm on Drizzy, Call Me Richard, and Hoochie Coochie Sam. I did a, the three, you know, the $1 tractor box. And then I did another $1 yep. tractor box on race three. I like, who do I like here? Alberta Sun, Extrema, and My Princess Ellie. And then I did a Quinella on race six, eight, and four. Double time. And bear me a moment. So I will need those horses uh, to finish first and second. So I have three dollars left that I got to find, put on someone to uh, to go. But those are those are my picks. Oh, Matt Lang's with us in the chat. Just back to the golf for a minute. Xander winning the Olympics would be the most Xander thing ever. Yeah, Xander Shoffley's right there behind Colin Morikawa. Uh, I believe he's nine to one, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, nine to one. So your favorites, Morikawa at eight, Xander's nine. Justin Thomas, 11, and then Vic Hovland, Hideki, and Rory McIlroy all at 13. And yeah, there's the bad guy, Patrick Reed, 20 to 1. Um, back to the horse racing. If you do want to play with us, go to hpibet.com, and you can uh, wager on Assiniboine Downs and tracks all around the world. But don't forget, the food trucks are out. Fans will be back tonight for the first time on the main area and the outdoor terrace for the first time this season over at Assiniboia Downs. Um, great show today, Reem. And I guess, you know, we should, before we go, um, once again, big thanks to Paramount Services, our newest sponsor. If you're uh, looking for a gig, they're looking for uh, technicians and much more, go to ParamountServicesLTD.com and check out the career section. You can also go to our website, click on their site on the sponsor page, and it'll take you right there. Um, Royal Sports, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, not Autocorp, Little Brown Jug. Don't forget, free delivery up until the 31st, free home delivery using the promo code WST100. Big thanks to Dustin and the gang for stepping up with that. Of course, Boston Pizza, Cinnaboy Downs, Aikens Lake, Breezy Ben. Congratulations to Braxton, Braxton Kuntz again. What a season he's had. Breezy Club champ, Manitoba junior champ, Manitoba amateur champ, and Cool Bet Canada. And you can still get that lock shop boosted Oz partner parley with the twins, angels, and Canada's rugby sevens up until uh, they uh, throw the first pitch tonight. Um, Remo, great start. And, you know, again, thanks to everyone. 100 episodes. It's sort of flown by. Can't wait for the next 100 and the next 100 after that. Uh, but we wouldn't be able to do it without the sponsors that I just mentioned. And, of course, everyone for popping in and making us a part of your day every day at Winnipeg Sports Talk. And Reem, I imagine the rest of this week is going to be wild. We've got free agency coming up on Wednesday. 
We will speak with Mark Morrison, the new head coach of the Manitoba Moose tomorrow. We'll check in on Bomber Training Camp. We'll have more on the Gold Eyes. Tickets go on sale tomorrow for Gold Eyes season. The Fish are back August 3rd. And then, Remo, we're going to have this crazy week. We'll go into August long weekend, come back with the show on Tuesday, 48 hours away from Blue Bomber kickoff and the CFL returning on the 5th of August. Yeah, it is a long weekend, so we'll have to get our... uh... Might have to get our CFL like fantasy DraftKings pool ready. I saw some people talking about uh, the TSN one as well, but I prefer I prefer the DraftKings uh, scoring and and lineup system. So I can't wait for that. And yeah, Gold Eyes, Assiniboy Downs is in the chat saying um, saying you know they got food trucks. So uh, I mean, lots going on. I know uh, I see Rick Delane who's got our logo on his car. Uh, he'll be at the racetrack Thursday. Uh, lots going on in the city in terms of uh, the sporting environment. Yeah. Here's a cow. Here's a Winnipeg. If you want to be a returning to the wild Winnipeg sports fan, map out this itinerary, check out the track. One of these days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, reintroduce yourself to a Cinnaboy Downs. Thursday night, go see Rick Delane and the sports talk Winnipeg car out there. The Winnipeg sports talk car at a victory lane speedway. Next Monday, back at the track, August 2nd, for the biggest race of the year, the Manitoba Derby. Tuesday, Gold Eyes home opener, Shaw Park. Maybe even another Gold Eye game on the Wednesday. And then the Friday, a big tailgate, getting there early, showing your card, showing your ID, getting in, and welcoming back the 2019 Grey Cup champs to begin the 2021 CFL season. We've been waiting a long time for this. How good of an itinerary does that sound? Yeah, wow. That uh, that uh, sent off, man. But you you mentioned uh, Friday for the Bomber game. Thursday is the home open. Yeah, Thursday. Did, yeah, did thir- I not say that? No, yeah, you, said, you, said, you, said, you said Friday. I knew oh, you meant, okay. I knew you I meant be, Thursday. I may be screwing up. Yes, we know. I will not be showing up one day late for I the just, game. I just it wanted is to make fifth. I just yeah. wanted to make sure. I, to, I know you running. know what, what day. I knew Monday, you meant Thursday. Yeah. Monday is Derby Day. Tuesday is Fish Home Opener. Tuesday and Wednesday, you can go to the ballpark. And then yeah. Thursday as well, if you're not able to go to the Bomber game. Uh, but I think we'll be able to have our cake and eat it to support all our teams and Man, before we know it, the Jets will be back and uh, playing come October. So uh, it's great stuff. Hopefully more going on in the National Hockey League tomorrow. We will be all over it, uh, getting you ready for free agency on Wednesday. Uh, We may have an expanded show. If the Jets do something in the first couple hours of free agency, we'll probably jump on early. Uh, yeah. But we will certainly be on at our regular time at one o'clock if we haven't started early, depending on what happens with the Winnipeg Jets. That's going to do it for us, folks. Uh, all week long, if you want to tune in, I'll be on Sportsnet 960 in Calgary with my pal Pat Steinberg. Be jumping on there in about an hour till about six o'clock our time. So uh, you can just hit that up online. And otherwise, we'll see you back here tomorrow for another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Have a great night. Thanks to everyone in chat. Thanks to everyone listening on the podcast. Thanks to all the sponsors. We'll see you tomorrow here on WST. Have a great night. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com. 